This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Gotham City, like any other large metropolis, abounds in girls of all shapes and sizes. Debutantes, nurses, stenographers, and librarians. Gotham City Library, Miss Gordon speaker. Lopez hair removal, this is Jose. Holy transformation. One minute, plain Barbara Gordon, librarian and Commissioner Gordon's daughter. And the next minute, something new has been added. Batgirl, modeled after her idol, Batman. Holy apparition! No, boy, wonder I'm Batgirl. You are no longer alone, Cape Crusader. It took me three years to track down the Jade Gatto, and three more to figure out how to steal it. Funny, it only took me ten minutes to figure out how to snatch it back. No matter how you do it, crime doesn't pay girls. Because you know I'm all about that bass, about that bass, no trouble. I'm all about that bass, about that bass, no trouble. I'm all about that bass, about that bass, no trouble. I'm all about that bass, about that bass, 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 bass. Yeah, it's pretty clear. I ain't no size two. But I can shake it, shake it, like I'm supposed to do. Cause I got that boom, boom that all the boys chase. All the right junk in all the right places. I see the magazine working that Photoshop. We know that sh ain't real. Come on now, make it stop. If you got beauty, beauty, just raise them up. Cause every inch of you is perfect from the bottom to the top. Yeah, my mama, she told me. Zoate, Mihinoman S. Stella, at Hawk S. Backroll Oracle, the Barbara Gordon Podcast, episode 229 for January MMXXIII. Backroll to Oracle is brought to you by Dear Reader Season 2. Isn't that exciting? Why, you little... Did you know about this? Oh, of course not, but what do you care? You don't love Howard. That has nothing to do with it. How much did he settle on you? I made Howard pay for what he wants. You made him pay for what he doesn't want. Why, you filthy... Don't start calling names, you Park Avenue playgirl. I know a lot more words than you do. I was told you were clever. You must be. To keep Stephen from seeing how cheap you are. Don't give me that innocent bit. I do kicks, you platoons. We both knew a good thing when we saw it. It's not like I was deliriously happy every single day of this marriage, you know? But did I screw around? No. I could have, by the way. I really could have, because men have come on to me plenty. All right, once or twice. But I thought about it, 
because this just in, 13 years of sex with the same man can be a little bit boring, all right? I mean, Stephen had his bag of tricks and I knew them all, but did I complain? Did I go out and bang the Federal Express guy? Cause baby, now we got bad blood. You know it used to be mad love. So take a look what you've done. Cause baby, now we got bad blood. Hey, now we got problems. And I don't think we can solve them. You made a really deep cut. And baby, now we got bad blood. Hey. Dear Reader, Season 2. Join me, Stella, as I look at the 1936 play The Women by Claire Booth Luce and its three cinematic adaptations from 1939, 1956, and 2008. Does the play highlight the complicated aspects of female friendship or display the cattiness of women when in competition with each other and with time? Listen and find out. Coming soon to the Fire and Water Podcasting Network. L'amour, l'amour. That's French for love. Backer of the Oracle is also brought to you by MileHighComics.com, your new and collectible comic book store. Mile High Comics has an inventory of over 5 million comics from the gold, silver, bronze, and modern age, and over 100,000 trade paperbacks. If you're not into the vintage stock, Mile High Comics also has a subscription service called the New Issue Comics Express, offering a discounted price for comics ready to the shelves. So if you're looking for vintage back issues or a great modern subscription service, be sure to check out Mile High comics.com this is actually a first for Batgirl the Oracle because I've never had on such a prolific foot model so please welcome to the show I like to call him Shagalicious he calls himself irredeemable but shag to everyone who uh mostly knows him welcome welcome back I was going to say, how could it be my first time and welcome back? The, but this doesn't jive. It's your first time as a really famous foot model. Oh, okay. I, I thought I'd had that accolade for many, many years, but I guess more recently you're, you're saying- It I, seems I, like really 2022 is when it was heating up. Okay. All right. I'll accept that. That's fine. I do have a gorgeous set of foot gra- <laughs> floor grabbers. So uh, thank you for having me back on the show. I'm very excited to talk about Ed Bennis in all the interesting I'm poses. Sure. Yes, <laughs> this is the perfect story for you and the perfect artist, too, to highlight everything you like about women. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and you're following, you know, the good doctor was on here, too, Dr. Swartz Levine. So. Yes, yes. She is amazing. And yes, I uh, can't possibly follow that. So just uh, you have to forget all of the intelligence. And remember, sure. it's the guy who comes in and says she's hot. That's so. There's a major Indeed. difference there. Indeed. Yes. Anything fun has been going on for you? Well, it's a new year. That's yeah. exciting. You know, we put 2022 behind us. We're looking forward to 2023. We don't have a Batgirl movie in the future. But other than that, I mean, it's 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 always exciting. I had a wonderful holiday season. Uh, for all I know, this is going out in May. So people are probably wondering why I'm talking about the holidays. Oh gosh. <laughs> That'd be crazy. But uh, I've been reading lots of comics lately. Uh, I've been reading old What If comic books for fun. Just recently read a bunch of uh, Birds of Prey comics for some apparent reason. Yep. So I'm reading lots of novels. What about you? What's been going on with you? Yeah. Well, 2022, as I said in the previous episode, was probably the worst year that I've experienced. 
in, you know, life on earth. So I'm just hoping that, you know, 2023 is, is much better. Uh, I started a Finstagram where each day, my goal is five out of seven days, I'm doing some sort of physical activity for 30, 30 minutes at least, hopefully doing a half marathon in the spring, but then maybe also doing some like body, body photos to like show the transformation. So that's why wow. it's Instagram. I can't trust everyone to, to follow that. Awesome. But, so we'll Congratulations. So, yes. Thank you. I mean, hopefully it'll keep me accountable. So last week I did fails four out of four out of seven because I chose to go see the whale. Mm. Um, in theaters rather than do something, but we'll, we'll pick it up this week. We'll do it. So. I mean, technically that is a physical activity. I mean, you're walking to the theater, you're That's walking true. to your seat, you're picking up pieces of popcorn. I mean, That's it's, true. you know, <laughs> <laughs> yes, very much so. And I'm super happy just with uh, that new podcast you started and, because I think that's something that really everyone needed. And, and I've been like trying to push forward to just like trying to find your joy. And so you like put Aww. it in this podcasting form. So what has that been like to put this that because that's certainly been a catchphrase of yours, I think, for forever. What was it yeah. like to put that finally into uh, sort of a concrete form? Well, for many, many years ago, I used the this, this phrase, Once Upon a Geek, uh, as a blog. It's actually how I got started and all this geeky stuff, which eventually led to podcasting, was a blog called Once Upon a Geek. And been doing so many other podcasts all these years, I did want to do something where I could say, okay, I want to find something that I'm passionate about every episode. I don't want to ever do the just treading water episodes that you have to do in an index show. I mean, I, I would never suspect you've ever done this, but I'm sure other podcasters who do hundreds of episodes may have to cover some comics where they're like, oh, I don't want to do these issues. I'm sure this never happened to you. But so I picked a top, I picked a show topic where I change it every episode. Every episode, it's whatever I want to talk about. It's whatever I'm passionate about right then. I find someone else who's passionate about the same topic, and we just have a great conversation. And it's just fun. That's the goal. It's like, like you said, find your joy. That's the whole point of it. We've covered and, – and here's the funny thing. It's like I, I know I'm never going to build a following on that show because it changes every month. You know, Somebody who listens because they like Alpha Flight one month, tunes in the next month for V, the final battle. They're like, what the heck is this? You know, And so – it's never going to hit everyone's hot button, but it's uh, it's always a fun conversation. So thanks for uh, for mentioning it. I appreciate it. It's been yeah. a real passion project. Yeah, for sure. I think part of it, because I feel similarly about Dear Reader, that it's so niche. I mean, Jane Eyre was niche. I'm going even like more niche with the women because probably people haven't even heard of that play. And so I think part, yeah, I think part <laughs> of it is like you're doing something that you love and hopefully that passion bleeds off and into other people. And then I think also you personally have a following. So people are going to listen to to something that you are producing. As long as they like what if Alpha Flight, Doctor <laughs> Who, those things probably Who's so. Yeah. <laughs> Who's he what's I, it? I think this is, is this the first podcast we're doing that you're technically my boss? Or was I, the last episode had I been in the midst of Dear Reader season one? I think you were probably well. I, I don't know, but yeah. I like the idea of me being your boss. I'm really, <laughs> I considered myself your mentor, but I'm, I'm all about the boss part. This you're is great. on the board. You're there we on go. The board, so. Take some minutes, Stella. Take Absolutely. some minutes. You're Wonder Woman, the JSA secretary now. Oh my. Oh my. I did find out, by the way, that that's not a real slam. Uh, I found out recently, <laughs> thanks to some of our friends uh, over in the Firewater Network, some, some shared brilliant information about, well, I'm going off tangent here. I don't care. Wonder Woman, <laughs> if you've ever heard, she was the secretary for the JSA. It's not, it was never intended to be a dick against her. What it was, she was supposed to be a full-fledged member, but uh, William, what's his name? Molston. 
Oh, the guy, yeah. yeah. The guy created Wonder Woman. He kept jury changing the scripts in the JSA books. And so they're like, knock it off. And so in order to do it, they just kind of pushed her out of the stories. And that's how she ended up in the... Oh. In, but technically, secretary is an officer, though. It's not just, you know... Yeah. A, a downtrodden role. So I just found that fascinating that I always thought it was them putting her in a corner. And the reality is the writer of Wonder Woman screwed it all up and let them not use her. Sure. Crazy. Anyway. Do you have anything before we get into the reviews, which will really take up the bulk of our time? Anything that I wore, in your I wore own a, segment? I know. I see that. I wore a bat shirt. It is a bat shirt. It does have similar look as the the Batgirl symbol, but it's probably Nolan's. Uh, yeah, it probably is. But I like to think it's from... You know, the, the wider Batverse. Yes, absolutely. Are you doing anything that you are finding your joy, which is Shag's Mac and She's a Comfort and Joy segment? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't prepare anything, but I mean, the, the two big things I've been focused on lately is role-playing and reading science fiction novels. I, I spend so much of my time with work or family or whatever, I don't get a lot of time to read. So this last year, I really tried to put more time into reading science fiction novels and not just TV movie tie-ins, which is what I always seem to fall into, that Doctor Who that you like to make fun of or Star Trek or whatever. So I've been actively seeking out other writers. Uh, John Scalzi is an amazing sci-fi writer. I, I found him on a whim. I just found, I like, I'm in the bookstore. I pick up a guy out of the blue. I'm like, okay, it's got a cool cover. The back of the book reads fine. I bring it home. I read it. I find out he's like one of the hottest science fiction writers in the country. He's one of the top selling ones. I picked it completely at random and ended up with him. And I've been reading tons of his books. And that's been a real mac and cheese thing for me is, is sneaking away, sitting outside on the porch and reading. And I just love it. Yeah. For me, we're getting into Oscar season, and okay. so now it's kind of fun for me to pick out the ones that are getting some sort of buzz and, and start to see those films. They're not always joyful, like The Whale, that, w- that was a rough experience, and Banshees of Inishirin, but it's it's worthwhile, and, and for the art of it, I enjoy that. So I would, That's awesome. Yeah. Well, Shall we get into this? Time for some Adventist. (laughs) Indeed. Yeah. So I invited you back or you invited yourself. I don't know. I always invite you, which it's hard for you always to repay the favor. I have to beg to be on a JLI podcast. I understand. But. You have to save up money, I know, to pay my retainer. So I yes. get that you can't have me on as often it, as you'd yeah, like. It's very true. But you said you'd like to come back on. I was Always. trying to figure out another arc. And so we're coming up on an arc that I thought would be pretty well contained, which is the Sensei and Student, or is it Student and Sensei? You know, who runs the show should be the one should know this. I know. Um, Let's see here. It's Sensei and Student. Well, it's alliteration. So, I mean, it could go either way. But anyways, a nice six-issue arc that has a lot of stuff going on. It does. Yes, it does have lots of female bodies (laughs) that we will be talking about. Shag and I might occasionally take some shots if we see a butt shot, a boob shot, or a crotch shot. So, if you see us tossing some things back. So, by the end of this episode, we might be inebriated. I, I mean, if we're really going to do that, we're going to be hammered by the third page is what's going <laughs> to happen. Know, I mean, the, the sheer number of butt shots and crotch shots and everything else is is off the chain. So I ask you as the guest, would you like to go through all of the synopses first and then talk about each and then the whole? Or do you want to hmm. do one synopsis, chat a bit about that, move on, and then have a discussion at the end of all six of the whole? Arc? That's a good question. 
Maybe we should go issue. Well, yeah, we could go issue by issue. We could okay. do that. All right. Okay. That's so a real okay. struggle for me to decide that. That's okay. Well, I put you on the spot, but good for you. I have many friends who can't make decisions. Okay. So they get actually very angry when I ask them to make a decision because I can make it off the cuff. So I'm proud of you, sir, for being well, I, able to make a good decision. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> Thanks to Shag for doing three synopses for me. That was very nice to reduce the burden of me. And I just went to this DC Wikia to get the. <laughs> Oh, are I you serious? I, I wrote these with love and I care. Yes. I had to sit here and sweat and slave yes. over all of these butt and crotch shots oh, to come was... up with this synopsis. It was it was a real struggle. I bet it was. <laughs> well, you're up. Yeah, if you want to get started all with right. uh, there issue we go. number 62. So check out that cover, folks. Because I'm going to describe it first. So it features Lady Shiva. This, by the way, this is Birds of Prey number 62, cover date of February 2004. It got Lady Shiva there with the sword drawn, reaching, for, you know, she's reaching for the reader. But behind her, please note those red skies crackling with lightning. It's like a, it's like the crisis is coming. Then you've got that pale moon that is eclipsed by the silhouette of a bird of prey or a canary. I mean, that's not the official Birds of Prey symbol, is it? Up there? No, in the but it's okay. it's the medallion that Dino wears. Oh, okay. There we go. All right. But the real focus, the real beauty of this thing, and you got to lift it a little bit higher. So can, there we go. Is the fact that this is a the whole trade dress is designed to look like a movie poster for a Hong Kong action movie. You know, Lady Shiva and Black Canary star in Hong Kong surprise. And then I love all the creator credits listed at the bottom, exactly like they are in a movie poster. I think it's a brilliant trade dress, and I adore it. We have done summer blockbusters before. This is not the first time that you've been on and we've done summer blockbusters. That's which true. Is really interesting that we get to see that. Unfortunately, the theme doesn't continue, which is a bit of a bummer. Well, it's weird. They do it on two of the issues. Yeah. They do it on 62 and 63, but then just stop. And then it just shifts <laughs> because it would have, yeah, it would have been nice to see that continue. But I, I like this art. I think. It's pretty tasteful. It's demure, uh, right? Because, almost, yeah, yeah, there are things that are obscured, so that also helps, I think. But, yep. you know, she looks pretty badass. I know that some people think she is overused, so I guess we can always chat about that when we talk about her character. But, yes. And, and I did do, yeah. Well, I was just going to say, well, if you want to hold it for one more second, oh. Benez draws really cool coats in this thing. And I love her coat. You can see on the inside of her jacket. Well, it might be hard there, but it's got this red quilted liner on the inside of her black jacket, which looks really cool. It's got the yellow cuffs with the with the gold bands. It just I, I love the jackets he designs. They look awesome. Yes. And I was going to say, so this is her Shiva's second appearance in this book. I did look up. She appears in Birds of Prey 58, so still in Gail Simone's run. And it was just a flashback where Dinah is looking back at her time with the sensei that we'll actually see. And she said she sparred with Lady Shiva at some point. So there's that connection that was kind of already laying the groundwork, I think, for this particular storyline. Well, there's other groundwork that was laying in previous stories, too. I mean, the the senator. And uh, I was oh, yes, listening yes. back to your synopsis on the last issues, and I kept mm-hmm. hearing stuff from this. I'm like, oh, I didn't even realize that because yep. I didn't read the issues before. Uh, well, I mean, I did when they were published, but I didn't read them in preparation for this. So, right. Yep. And Savant, all that. Yeah. So yep. everything's kind of from Gail Simone's first beginning or like still pushing. So there are a lot of things tying in together. So I should say, by the way, uh, and thanks for asking, uh, me whether I was reading this book at the time, I was. Oh my gosh. I actually stopped reading Birds of Prey oh. at the end of Chuck Dixon's run. Okay. Like I read, I think, one or two issues after Chuck Dixon, Dixon left, and I was like, oh, this is not for me. 
However, I didn't realize they were just in a transition period. You know, they were just figuring out what to do. So then Gail comes on with Ed Benes and I, somewhere along the lines, I see the cover. It's either her second or third issue. It's the one where Huntress's foot is coming at you. And I'm pretty sure it is a big boob and crotch shots kind of thing. And that's probably what made me go, well, let me look at this comic book. And I am a huge Huntress fan. Helena Bertinelli specifically, not Helena Wayne, but Helena Bertinelli, I'm a huge fan of. And so I was very excited to see her character back in something. And so that's what made me pick it up. Was that Ed Benes sexy Huntress cover? And boom, I was back in. I, I bought the issues I had missed out for a few months and I was back in all the way. So, uh, so what you've proven is sex does in fact sell. It literally did. It literally <laughs> did. You know, I mean, I I was a 32-year-old guy, and, yeah. you know, this was like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll check this out. So here we go. You ready for your recap? I am. All right. Black Canary, she has returned to Hong Kong to visit with her sensei, who is dying of cancer. While she's there, she encounters Lady Shiva, who just happened to also been a student of the same sensei. The dying sensei makes final requests of his favorite pupils. He asks Canary to never to try and arrest Shiva, and he asks Shiva to never try and kill Canary. So during a break, Canary and Shiva, they decide to go out for dinner, and they attempt to bond, which, by the way, still boggles my mind why they did this, but whatever. (laughs) They go out to dinner together, but while they're out to dinner, they get attacked by a local gang who's been stalking them. These thugs, they, they defeat them, obviously, without much trouble. Uh, but Canary has to stop Shiva from murdering the gang members. And it turns out, while they're at dinner, it was a distraction. Someone has snuck into the sensei's home and poisoned the sensei and all of his protectors, killing them all. Canary and Shiva know the most likely suspect is Cheshire. Mm. Now, meanwhile, back in Gotham City, Oracle unknowingly provides Batman and the JSA with shockingly incorrect information. Bad intel coming from Oracle? What? So Oracle's bad luck continues as she discovers that her own data has been corrupted. Um, and to make matters worse, the computer system is hacked and someone is threatening her life. Dun, dun, dun. Indeed. There we go. Which we don't find out until the bitter end who was hacking in there. Oh, I got, stuff, I got stuff to say about that, too. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of crazy. Well, I have a couple questions for you. Right. First of all, do you feel like Batman, a.k.a. Batjerk, is usually so pressed for time if Don, if Don is coming? Because he was, like, so focused on this, like, Don, Don's coming. Oracle, hurry up. Does it matter that much? <laughs> I, I don't think it matters that Dawn's coming, but he doesn't have any patience. Yeah, yeah, I think, you know, it could have been any excuse. It could have been, you know, the rice is almost done cooking, you know, whatever. Like, yeah, Batman has no patience for anyone, and she wasted his time. You know, yeah. she she sent him somewhere where it was the wrong place. And so uh, it, it turned out bad, and that's why he's being rude. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, yeah. He, there was a, an old man with a butter knife, so... <laughs> It was real bad error. And then it's, the beach or the pool side scene that Alan Scott went to. And then Cassandra I, picked up some Wonder Woman dolls that that one might have been. That's in a future issue. But yeah. I, the, the JSA thing, I love that because <laughs> I, I'm a huge JSA fan. As much as I like Firestorm and the JLI and all that, my, my true passion is the JSA. That's my favorite superhero team of all time. And seeing Alan Scott hanging out at a pool, Wildcats signing autographs for, you know, tourists was hysterical i just that one panel just made my day that was awesome and i do have a crush on ted so to see grant yeah i can see that to see the him get the respect that he deserves um i like how our our man looks like he's got no patience for it either (laughs) (laughs) see alan scott like i wish he was my uncle i like him so much he's great yes 
And she Yay. slept and call him, called him Alan over the comms. Oh. If you noticed that. I didn't. She at first said, Al, I'm here at Green Lantern. Da, 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 da. Interesting. Okay. Huh. So this was, which I feel like goes into her. I mean, she's having a hard time. You know, Nightwing, yes. and, and she broke up. Uh, Cass is going through a whole thing. And, and Barbara was there, too. Is it likely that she would be in so much emotional distress that she would make some of these mistakes? Is no, it believable for her? Because for as, us as readers and fans of her, like, there's something else going on. But does it make sense that she's believing that she's so messed up that she would make a I, mistake like this? I think if it was one mistake, you know, like the first one. Probably is what it was. She probably thought, "Oh my gosh, I dropped the ball." You know, because everyone, everyone in their job makes a mistake once in a while. You just do, um, and, unless you're Batman. But, but uh, so I imagine the first time she's like, "Oh, I made a mistake." But then once the second one drops, then she knows it's all. She has to know that everything's going wrong for her. And also, like I don't know, I, I have a problem when when technology doesn't do what I want it to do or what it's. But let me put it another way: what it's supposed to do. Like when a computer, which has one job to do one thing, push zeros and ones around, and it can't do it, I get furious. So it could be that she's in that sort of same boat where she's just like, the data is supposed to do one thing and it's doing something else and it's probably driving her nuts. Yeah. No, I I believe it. I believe especially because she is so tight with technology and she has built this computer herself, basically. So. And her reputation's on the line. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And then people's lives are at stake mm-hmm. too. So her friend not just people, but her friends. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So. so all right, let's talk let's talk about this Shiva stuff. Now you you make a good point about Shiva being overexposed. Like I would say at this point, I don't know that she was. I think this begins the overexposure. I think this begins her being everywhere all at once. Okay. Um, but I think at this point she probably I mean I think everyone knew who she was, but I don't think she was overexposed at this point. But I do wonder. Why in the heck did Black Canary go out to dinner with her? Like, this woman is a murderer. There's no question. It's not like, hmm, is she guilty? No, she straight up admits to being an assassin all the time. Why is Canary hanging out with her? Why are they socializing? Why did Canary basically hand her her diary, like in his autobiographical diary? Yeah, I don't understand that right there. Yeah, I don't don't understand why she would hand her private journals nor say that she's going to publish them. I think that was a bit bizarre. I can kind of see her hanging out with in like for a night hanging out with Lady Shiva. I think when you are on the precipice of losing someone that has meant so much to you, I think it is good to have like, I think emotionally have someone there who also understands that connection, maybe can have stories and things like that. I also know in Gil Simone's run specifically that Dinah very much does like to give people chances. Like she knows what their backgrounds are, but gives them chances because Huntress Huntress was talking to her as like, you're probably just going to judge me like Babs and or well, Oracle at that point. And she says, no, you know, I, you, you have a queen slate with me. So I wonder if, even though she's not naive to think that lady, she's not going to do lady Shiva things. If at least for this moment, she's going to kind of give her like a chance because of the situation. So after Shiva bit the guy's <laughs> finger off and she had to stop him from killing the guy, yeah. should she have stopped giving him her chances then maybe yeah, instead I of think, another five yeah. issues? Another, I know. Well, each time she was babysitting her this entire arc and saying, don't kill her, don't kill her, don't kill her, having to put her away, you know, her body in front of figurative bullets. So, no, no, I think her chances run, ran out. But I yeah. for this dinner, I would say Dinah was trying to give her the benefit of the doubt and like, maybe we can have peace. 
Do you feel like Shiva is someone who would bite somebody's finger off? I think Shiva would do whatever she has to do to win. Okay. Now, in this case, I don't think she had to bite the guy's finger yeah. off, though. Um, I mean, she could have just grabbed it and broke it in six different ways to the yeah. point where he's on the floor. But instead, she bit it off. Well, I'm assuming, I mean, I guess she could have cut it off. We didn't see the blade. But I'm assuming she, oh, no, she's wiping her mouth on the next yeah. page. She definitely bit the finger off. I mean, that's, yeah. it, it's it's almost, uh it, Without going too far, it may have been a purposeful sort of emasculating thing of, you know, taking something in her mouth and showing damaging it, saying this is, you know, you know, so it could have been some sort of hinting at that sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, he was touching her face. Yeah. Yeah. He was all in there. Yeah. I mean, she's brutal, but I always felt like there was almost a sophistication to her brutality. And biting someone's finger just seems like so animalistic and almost like beneath her. So I thought, oh, that's an interesting detail to give to Lady Shiva. I mean, did she really want to taste his blood? You know, kind of thing. Now, we're saying the negatives about this thing. But I want to point out, this is a great issue. I mean, it's a great setup. You've got a mystery. You've got, you get engaged with the the sensei. The relationship between Shiva and Black Canary, even if you hadn't read anything earlier, is immediately developed. Mm-hmm. They have a history together immediately, and you grasp on it. It's a very well-crafted story. It's a, I don't want to say it's a mystery because there's no clues, right. but it's it's a question and a situation that's been created, and they're thrown into it together. And I was immediately engaged. Yeah, I would agree. I think that Dinah's story, or half of it, might be a bit stronger than Barbara's. But once we get into it, because we, yeah. we barely scratch the surface with that particular thing. But this this story does get there are so many details and lots of stuff that's going on, like I said. So so yeah. uh, one more thing about Black Canary before we move on for me. Um, I like that she acknowledges she had lots of father figures, mm-hmm. you know, specifically the JSA. Uh, she mentions that because, I mean, if you look at her history and either just as JLA year one or any number of places, she's always got somebody, some superhero around who's who's helping train her. And I love that. Absolutely. My favorite Justice League, well, one of my favorite Justice League Unlimited episodes is The Cat and the Canary, and I really love that. And then later, I don't know, it might be the final issue in this arc where she punches, oh, it must have been where she punches Cheshire out of the helicopter, spoiler, and she said, like, calls it a wildcat or something like that's where she learned it from, because I think she asked where she learned it Oh, yeah, it's the haymaker. What kind of punch was that? It was a haymaker. I learned it from Ted. Yeah, that's great. So, So, uh, again, uh, uh, Barbara's Really very much the B plot here. Yep. But so the last thing is when the message is on her screen and it's just repeating over and over and it says die cut. Like it was a weird choice of words. Like I, I didn't know if I'm supposed to be reading something into it or it's just straightforward. It's just a threat because the word die and the word cut is there. But like is at first I thought it was saying die cutie or something like that. I and thought it was at first too. Yeah. So uh, is it, Well, it did is it, originally that one in the corner. Yeah. So is it just a general threat? To say die, the words die and cut, I guess. I is feel that, like, yeah. Isn't okay. that also something you do with? Die cut? Yeah. It's like if you're scrapbooking. Yeah. yeah I was going to say scrapbooking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's what the person meant when they were doing when they were doing that. But yes. But, but I, you know, I guess we'll just have to remember because once we find out who is doing this, you kind of wonder who came up with that. Was it the actual person hacking in or was it the person behind the person hacking in? Let, let's save that because yeah. I, I have a lot of questions on that. So, <laughs> it gets so flipping through this issue, I'm gone every page now. Well, okay. There's a little bit. Okay. Ed Benes was very. Tame. Uh, yeah. Very. Um, which, what word did you use? Tame. Tame. Yeah. It was yeah. very tame. The only one I would say is a little bit is uh, page one, two, three, a little bit. When Shiva's leaning up against the wall in the orange shirt. 
it's, it's a little sexy. Yeah. I, 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 there's a certain word I won't use, so I'll just say headlights. There's a little bit of headlights going on there. Wasn't that seduction? Noticed, wasn't yeah. that seduction of the innocent Frederick Wortham when he referred to comic books where you could see a woman's fine nips, whatever? Nipples, uh, yeah. uh, that, that it was called, he called that headlights. So uh, you could yeah. see that going on with her. Which but. I mean, I guess we can assume okay, she's not wearing a bra. But then later I, on, I see that I think it's Huntress in another issue coming up, and I'm thinking they have to be supported somehow. So that's the only yeah. We're, we're going to have a talk about that in a minute. <laughs> I, I'm I'm holding back some information what for the for the appropriate arc for you to be on. It really is. Yeah, <laughs> but it's a great issue, and you know, the, also the panel design, the layouts—they're all great. So, oh yeah. All right, I'm good to go on if you are. Yep. All right, let's do it. So here we go. Birds of Prey number sixty-three, cover dated. It's a secret because DC Unlimited is taking a while. Oh, here we go. March uh, two thousand four. And the cover features Lady Sheev and Black Canary battling one another. Now the Hong Kong action movie poster trade dress continues. We get Black Canary and Lady Shiva in a matter of honor. Once again, you get those creator credits at the bottom, and they're punching and fighting each other. And this is where we're going to have that conversation real quick, because we're talking about the cover. Oh, it's right so, there. So it did happen. Yeah. So I went to my wife, who is <laughs> my expert in me okay. doing everything wrong. Sure. So, if there's anyone in the world that's ever clocked the most amount of errors I've made, it's her. So, or inappropriate things too. So I go to her and I'm showing her a lot of the pages from this issue. Okay. Yeah. Very specifically what we're going to get into inside this issue in a second. Uh, spoiler, you're going to see uh, Cheshire in a swimming pool in her lingerie clinging to her. Right. So I'm showing her those kinds of pages and things like that. And she's like, and she rolled her eyes at those in the pool with Cheshire. She's like, it's what I expect from a comic for boys. I get oh, it. Oh, you know? man. And I'm like trying to tell her, I'm like, well, a woman wrote it. But anyway, and I showed her a lot of the other, like later on when they're in the airplanes and they're wearing like cute, you don't have to go to it, but they're wearing, we'll talk about this anyway. There's a lot of outfits. I showed her and I'm like a lot of crotch shots and stuff. None of those bothered her. She's like, whatever. This cover though, this, yeah, this cover issue 63 was the breaking point. Really? She She dropped the papers. She, again, I'll use the word headlights. So the headlights specifically is what drove her to anger. Cause she's like, there is no way that these women would be wearing outfits that are showing their headlights that dramatically. Like yeah. you said, they've got bras on, probably yeah. sports bras or, you know, Black Canary's wearing either leather or spandex or whatever the heck she's wearing. You know, yep. uh, Shiva's got, you know, that's like a, I don't know, uh, Sergeant Pepper and his Lonely Hearts Band type top. That thing's not going to be that tight. Yeah. So there's no reason you should see those. And uh, she was through the roof livid about this cover wow. because of that. Wow. Everything else about it was fine. You know? <laughs> oh, she also said that no women looks like this. And, and I said, well, you know, the, and she she backed out and she said, okay, fitness models who that's their job is to take Instagram pictures may, may look like this. And that's about it in the world. That's what my Instagram will look like soon. <laughs> way to go I'm hey just, I'm just glad, it, glad it's in my instagram feed oh man <laughs> well yeah i don't have too much to, i like the background of the i guess canary what's well, a canary and a serpent or, fighting yeah well it's a bird of prey at least yeah, fighting yeah, a that's serpent what I was yeah. Thinking it might yeah be more of a bird of prey yeah I, like, I mean it's another good one but yeah i mean those sorts of details are a bit yeah but i like the faces like the faces are super they're they're very cartoonish you know i mean that that that's not the type of face you're ever going to see in real life that is definitely stylized cartoon faces, but it works. I mean, these are comics. That's what I want. I want dynamic looks. I want dynamic expressions, things like that. So I think that looks really great. Agreed. Okay. 
All right. You want me to get into it? Yes, please. All right. Let's do it. Birds of Prey number 63. Black Canary and Lady Shiva trace Cheshire to a Hong Kong apartment. They get the drop on Cheshire, but their brawl spills out of the apartment into the nearby swimming pool. When Canary and Shiva interrogate Cheshire afterwards, she swears on her daughter's life that she is innocent of killing their sensei. Cheshire believes that the killer is the United States senator who wants her dead, which just so happens, by the way, to be the U.S. senator from the previous storyline. Meanwhile, Oracle's bad luck continues as she unknowingly gives incorrect information to Batgirl. Babs asks for help from some of the greatest hackers in the world. So Oracle's computers are badly, badly infected and making threats using her real name. They're saying Barbara. So Babs' hacker friends advise her to burn her computers and move. That's how serious it is. So as she, as she runs, she's abducted by U.S. intelligence agents who accuse her of conspiracy to commit treason. Dun, dun, dun. I was just noticing that Benes was very respectful with Cass, which is probably good since she's still kind of underage. So, so I don't want to open a can of worms here, but you said, you've said this on previous episodes. Like, I didn't know Cass could talk. Like, cause I, I don't really follow her. I never followed her really career. Yeah. So given how chatty she was here, I was like, what? what it's maybe what? a little too much. Yeah. I yeah. think after Peterson, after his run, things just, I think, spun out of control because I think he had the best grasp as to how she spoke and it was, it was kind of slow and laborious, but now she's, yeah, she can use words that do you really know that particular yeah. word and, and just flows off the tongue and everything. So I do disagree with how people are writing her now. So like she have no issue whatsoever. I'm sure the folks at the Batgirl, po- the, well, not your Batgirl, but the uh, yeah. Batgirl Huntress podcast where they focus on Cassandra Crane, our, our good friends over there at the Right On Network probably know all about that. So I apologize yeah. to them for not being in the know. But uh, yeah, it just it didn't, didn't strike me as right. But yeah, well, let's talk about the fight in the pool. Well, oh yeah, let's go right to it. I mean, that was one of my points. Is what is Cheshire wearing? Question mark. Oh, it's just uh, it's your typical typical satin, nighty, yeah, typical satin nighty pajamas that all women wear in real life. Which, yep. by the way, everyone I know, I, I don't anyone know anyone that sleeps in those. But it, I think Ed got the note that said, "Hey." Sex sells from issue from the previous issue to this issue because yeah. it is wall to wall butts boobs everything crotch shots everything in this issue. Which, bless him, yeah, <laughs> bless him. But I wonder. So this is just uh, obviously she's not here with us, so we can only just guess. But I just wonder what directions Gail Simone gave for this. Was she just saying there's a pool fight or what? You know. They break into Cheshire's apartment at night. How much, you know, descriptions did she get? Or is she leaning into the sexiness? Because there are some moments. I mean, there's that guy who looks like he's ready to have a threesome potentially with his girlfriend. So, I mean, she wrote that in there. But is she also like writing in like how much, which seems to go against her, like what I know of her. Okay. So she, she does full script versus Marvel style. Oh, I more meant like what she intended this book to be, that it would seem like she would write, let's sex it up as much as possible. But I don't know what she was actually writing on page. Well, keep in mind at this point, she was still a very young, hungry writer. You know, she she'd made her name online with the 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 fridging column. Right. And then I know I believe she'd written some previous comics before this, but not a ton. I mean, this was her big break, you know, and so she may have. I mean, we're speculating here, but, you know, maybe she had to take what she got or maybe, you know, the editor said, look, you know, you have great writing. 
Let's mash it with great visuals. Yeah, they're sexy, and that's going to help bring people to the book. Yeah, and it did. Yeah, it's yes, it did. That man right there, card carrying misogynist. Uh, <laughs> yes, no, it is a very interesting pool. I'm sure, or pool fight. I'm sure everyone, this is their daydream about such things. Wet t-shirt contest and all. And luckily, Dinah. I mean, she does have to remove her jacket, but at least she's more or less clothed i like shiva's outfit it's like it's almost like a motorcycle riding bike outfit or it looks like you know it's it's leather or vinyl yeah. or pleather or whatever but the red the red stripes that come down it looks yeah. pretty cool yes i would agree i would agree how much do you know about cheshire so i i think i know the most about her from young justice okay and i knew that she had poisonous fingernails like fake fingernails but this uh, this description of her almost made her seem like typhoid mary for marvel just like with all like everything that you could touch could be involved with poison i didn't i wasn't aware that that was also her shtick yeah she's a queen a queen poisoner i mean okay. it, that that's why the minute they knew the sensei was poisoned they suspected her because okay. that's always her shtick and so it's not that she's exuding a poison it's just that's her shtick so and she's always prepared. So anything around her might be contaminated is what okay. the concern is. Like here in the pool, there's no damage. There's nothing to worry about because she didn't get a chance to prepare. She was asleep. Right. You know, they, they got they got the jump on her. So she wasn't ready for him, which, by the way, she probably should have been knowing what we know later. Right. She should have been more prepared. But either way. Yeah. So what I knew about her before this point was, you know, she's she's she had a relationship at one point with Speedy mm-hmm. and uh, she has a daughter that Speedy's the father of Leon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Speedy's daughter, the cute little adorable daughter that was in a whole bunch of new Titans issues that nothing bad ever, 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 ever happened to ever. That's me retconning things. Um, <laughs> that's her mom. Yep. And she went nuts. And well, I shouldn't say she went either way. She blew up a whole country. She set off a thermonuclear device in, I don't know if it was Bialya or one of those made up Middle Eastern countries and killed, I don't know. Tens of thousands, millions of people. I don't know. She she blew up, you know, nuclear explosion. Uh, she's responsible directly for, and she's still running around. Okay. She should be very much in jail. Do you think, well, so should many people like the Joker. Do you think that she is the best, the second best assassin? Because that's bandied about in this. Did issue. they say she's second best or she's just on the list? Because uh, earlier, we didn't specifically call this out. Shiva said she keeps a list of the top 25 assassins. And I, I, if she said she's second, that's impressive. I, di- I don't remember her saying that, but I didn't commit the script to memory. I might have been a little distracted by the visuals. I'm sure uh, you were. Oh, right here. The question is, how do you take down the world's second deadliest yeah. assassin on her home? Well, but that's Black Canary saying it. That's true. Yeah. So that's not, I think Shiva's list is probably a little more authoritative. Yes. But Shiva's is also very subjective. Yeah. Because it's her personal list true. Of, of martial artists. Well, I would say Dinah's this as well. Yeah. Uh, I guess a big question I have with Shiva, but we can wait until kind of the big reveal is, do you think she's capable of, of all that she did in this story um, and her whole plan? But we'll wait until the end. That's Shiva or Cheshire? Uh, sorry, I did mean Cheshire. Okay, yes, yeah. That, that's Cheshire. one of my big questions, too. Yeah, yep. okay. Yes. And you mentioned the little girl, and I feel like that's actually a big plot point, even though it seems small, but it gives lots of motivations. But we can talk about that later on. She swears on her daughter's life that she's innocent. She does swear on her daughter's life. And we know that her daughter has a, or maybe we should say Dinah has a relationship with her daughter. 
Well, okay. I mean, Dinah helped raise Roy. Yes, yeah. So she helped raise Speedy, and so therefore she's kind of like a an aunt or a, a grandmother, if you will, to yeah, Leon. Absolutely. Uh, the little girl outside of the Italian restaurant that was super bizarre. We have met her before um, for readers. Or, she knew or her by name, so I figured, yeah. Yes, but it was just so weird how she just stood there while this whole thing was going down and then very nonplussed went into the kitchen to follow orders and then her mom like basically convinced her to not bother her. And I thought, what's going on here? Wouldn't you be concerned what? if you saw someone you knew getting beat up and stolen? Well, I, I wondered, first off, if, if the little kid, I don't know her history. Is Is there an issue? Is she mentally challenged or is there any... I uh, think she's got around. I think that there is um she is a bit maybe on the spectrum or yeah. or, or uh, something like I that. Think, yeah, I think there is like a mental um okay. mental block there. Because it seemed like she wasn't communicating very yeah. well. So I thought there might be an issue. And forgive me if I'm not using the right terminology. I apologize. I'm not being insensitive. I just I'm stupid and don't know the right words. Yeah. Because she goes into her mom, her mom her mom tells her, her she's busy. And clearly the kid knows there's a big problem. So she just does what her mom says and says, okay, and walks back yeah. out. And then she just sits there and washes and says, bye, Barbara. You know, so I felt like there was something off. There. Yeah, that's true. But, I did forget that detail. Thanks for reminding me about it. I'm so glad I can help you with your own show. Uh, let's talk <laughs> about Barbara's abduction though. I mean, that oh, is deeply gosh. disturbing guys. I, I said yeah. she was taken in by the, by the government agents. This wasn't your typical ma'am. You're under arrest. No. There were some near nasty leering comments like, Oh, yeah. she's pretty hot. Too bad about the wheelchair, you know, kind yeah. of thing. They were going to drug her. They were making all kinds of comments. I mean, just, it was really inappropriate. Like I, I didn't think yeah. these guys were government agents. I thought they were the mob. Yes. And then it wasn't yeah. until the next issue. They, they confirm they really are. I'm like, Oh, that's weird. Yeah. Are. But as we later discover, they're really dirty and yeah. don't have much of a moral compass. But yeah, I mean, really sexist, really ableist. And so it's great to see Babs get in as many licks as she can and take you know take down those people, even though in the end they get the, the best of her. So one more point worth mentioning, um, besides me talking about Cheshire some more and wet lingerie, is the hacker uses Barbara's name. It says, I see you, Barbara. I see right. you, Barbara. And so that plot point we'll come back to in a bit. But so the hacker has identified her or at the very least, the virus has identified her. I I don't know which. And this could be. So it's a question because we'll I mean, Barbara is going to be taken in under the presumption that she could be Oracle. But there are eight other people that have also been abducted because they could be Oracle. Does the person doing this know her name? And if so, does that even make sense? Because then the person behind the person should have just not done that. Or was it just this weird connect? Because we find out about Jessica, one of her her groupies also had this situation happen to her. I don't know. I I don't think the hacker knows she's Oracle. I know the hacker suspects she is. Yeah. And is using her name. Just not because he knows Barbara is Oracle, but because he knows Barbara is a computer expert who might be Oracle. Yeah. If that makes any sense. It does make sense. Yeah. So what do you think? Do you think he's also behind? Well, he must be the Jessica. Her yeah. Friend. I would assume it's the same guy. I mean, the, the, the comments seem similar. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder what the point was. And if the same person is behind that too. Well, I wonder if Jessica is one of the 10 Other, girls that got oh, brought in. Yeah. 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 He might be right. Yeah. I don't know. With yeah. the, with her angel icon. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I do like how she has this little group of people that she can help. And one of them asked, did you run the program? And she said, well, I studied it and then I made my own. And then he's like, good job. Good job. So I like that they have this little hacker community. Yeah. Very cool. 
All right. Yeah, I think that's it for me. Just, yeah, the senator returning and, um, well, we'll see if this All right. makes sense in the end. Yep. And then your last one. Yes, ma'am. Here we go. So we are getting to, sorry, I'm, 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 I'm reading these on the DC Unlimited app. So I'm, uh, or DC U- Infinite. Sorry, I apologize. So I was forwarding to it. All right, here we go. The cover <laughs> features Huntress entering Oracle's Clock Tower HQ. And on the monitors is Black Canary and the Oracle logo. Mm-hmm. It's just holding a Batgirl doll, but the head has been ripped off the doll. The cover reads, knock, <laughs> knock, anyone. You didn't notice that? It says, uh... knock, knock, anyone home. So we have broken the trade dress of the Hong Kong movies, yep. but we get an awesome, uh, very sexy Huntress image, which, by the way, is reminiscent of the of the Huntress cover that brought me back to the book, which, by the way, is issue 57. I just looked it up. So sort of reminiscent of uh, Huntress uh, sneaking in there. And uh, I think it's a great one. And here she has uh, proper... Um, Headlight support, and you don't see anything going on there. Yep, very true. Although the way that fits is certainly questionable. Looks like it was spray painted on. (laughs) I mean, yeah, probably. Yes. Uh, Well, there you've got a Carolyn Nose situation where you don't have full-bodied babs, but we'll see that later. Yes, this is very violent and passive-aggressive. With yes. the, the the Batgirl doll, which we'll find is this the is she she literally finds out in this issue, right? She's like, Oh, that makes sense. Well, did she oh, not no, know? So did she one. didn't know? No. She didn't well, yeah. I, I okay, because I again I wasn't rereading the previous ones. I yeah. so did she not know it was Barbara or did she not know Barbara and Dick had dated? She did not know it was Barbara. Uh, or did she know Barbara uh, and Dick? Yeah, because Babs didn't trust her, so she never let her in. So basically the only people who know that Barbara's Oracle before this were Dinah, Tim, and the the bathroom, gotcha. basically. I will say this cover's a little misleading because this doesn't happen until the last yeah. page. Yeah, very um, true. And I don't know that we ever found out how Huntress found the location then either. Hmm. Okay. Nor, or how... I have a question about how she got in. I mean, it shows her, you know, doing some kind of Catwoman tactics, but I feel like not many people can break into the clock tower. Keep in mind, the system's compromised. I was also going to say that. So that would be like me giving her the benefit of the doubt. But yeah, how did she find her would be, that would be something. Yep. Good question. All right, here we go. Issue 64. So in Hong Kong, Black Canary, Shiva, and now with Cheshire are investigating the death of the sensei. Cheshire takes them uh, to her nearby boat, which serves as her backup laboratory. The boat is attacked by a gang of thugs, and Canary once again must stop Shiva from murdering her opponents. Canary smells kerosene with mere moments before the women have to jump overboard to save their lives as the boat explodes. Back in the United States, Babs is being held at a secret off-the-books government prison. The agents have abducted 10 women, all of whom are suspected of being Oracle. Now, they pressure Babs for a confession, but she gives them nothing. Government agents are being directed by the same U.S. senator that Cheshire has accused of killing the Hong Kong sensei, and again, from the previous storyline. I, I didn't write down his name. I didn't catch. What is it? Um, senator? Bowman, I believe. Sure. We'll go with that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> also working for the senator is, wait for it, Savant, dun, 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 the enemy of the Birds of Prey. Later, Canary, Shiva, and Cheshire leave Hong Kong, flying to Gotham City, where they can retrieve Cheshire's computer data files. During the flight, Shiva asks Canary to become her apprentice. (gasps) 
Whoa. Whoa. Now, back at Bab's cell, it appears the pressure has finally gotten to her. She screams for anyone, saying she's ready to talk. Mm -hmm. Finally, in Gotham at Oracle's Clock Tower, Huntress is broken inside, saying, sorry to bust in like this, Oracle, but I don't much like secrets. Ta-da! All right. What do you think? Did you know that Velma was in here? I, that's in my notes. It says other hacker is Velma. Did you know that that was, yeah, possible? I wonder if they meant to color her hair kind of brownish too, but they, they gave her black hair maybe just so they didn't get sued by their own parent company. By their, yeah. Oh, well, let's see here. Some notes I had, how demeaning to be carried around by someone you don't know and who has arrested you. But I guess they decided not to bring a chair in. Uh, this is so now we're finally heating up in terms of Barbara. Like now we know, connecting from the first issue, what's actually been going on, who's behind it. So some things are starting to get clearer. Still, I feel like two different stories are going on because you're not quite sure how the Cheshire Sensei situation is aligning with this one. So that that takes me a bit. I feel like it doesn't really start to align until the fifth or the sixth yeah. issue anyways. But now you've got Savant back. So it's like, oh, here's another connection because he's been connected to the senator as well as the birds of prey. So it's just now that things are starting to get more complex in this particular issue, I would say. There, there's the A plot and the B plot here. A plot being, let's just say, Canary and Shiva and B mm-hmm. plot being Babs. I think the, the, the Babs plot's very, very good. Here. It's starting to unfold. We're finding out about this Black Ops uh, off the books facility. We're seeing the, 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 the 10 different people. We're finding out. I really like the way that sort of doles out and they reveal a savant. The A plot with Canary and Shiva and Jessica, this is where I really start to have some problems. It's bad enough that Canary's working with Shiva. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. The fact that they're working with Cheshire now, like, why? Why would you trust her? Even I know Shiva says I trust her. She said she swore on her daughter's life. Fine. Why would you give her that much freedom? Why would you? Why would you let her lead you around? And why would you go to the boat? Like I still don't understand what was the point of going to the boat. They go to the boat, and then Cheshire uploads something to Gotham City. So they all go get on a plane to go to Gotham City. It, it feels like. Uh, you know, it, it's a little too plot driven at that point. Like, I, I'm like, I, I need more explanation to buy into this. So, yeah. And of course, yeah. And then revelations, we don't find out about what that boat situation actually was until the very right. end. So even though you might believe something with it now, it's going to maybe turn on its head later I, on. I like that aspect. I like that we're being tricked right now. Yes. But the 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 why still don't make sense. I mean, like if I were to ask Shiva... Why are you going to Ch- Cheshire's boat? I don't know that they have an answer for me. Yeah, I I would hope that they don't trust her. I, I think that they are certainly watching her very closely. I think, yeah, because of Dinah's sentimentality, I think she believes that she had nothing to do with the sensei's murder and it's all the senator. And Dinah's been involved with the senator, so she knows that he's dirty. So it seems realistic to to them. But I think that they're sloppy in the amount of lead that they give her for sure. I mean, when Dinah's getting sick on the plane, I was like, what? What? How did this happen? What's? Yeah. I didn't even mention that in the recap, but yeah. So Cheshire actually gives Dinah food poisoning and yeah. Dinah has to run to the, 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 the bathroom in the airplane and just puke her brains out. Yeah. And like at that point, I would have just, I don't know, tranked Shiva, beat the crap out of her. I don't know, something. 
Now, I I want to be I want to be fair. I'm I'm bagging on some plot holes that I'm not happy with. Okay, but the the issue is great. I mean, mm-hmm. the the issue is really well balanced. The way it cuts between the A plot and the B plot, the action is phenomenal. When uh, the women have to fight all the the, yeah. the goons on the boat, the 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 panel design is great. All the action, all the punching, the kicking, the explosions, the leaping from the boat. It's really, really dynamic. You'd get a lot of butt shots and a lot of crotch shots. And oh, yeah. I, I don't mind that one bit. Um, I'm sure you don't. Well, it's, it's interesting. If you that that was really tame, by the way, the one you showed. <laughs> that was go to the fight scene. It's all crotch shots. Anyway, oh, I know. it's interesting, though, how everything with Shiva and Cheshire and Black Canary is all sex, 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 sex. All of the stuff with Babs, which is an equal amount of the book, is extremely tame. Extremely tame. There's nothing out of line there at all. So uh, Benes knows what he's doing. He's purposely sexing up half the book. There we go. Uh, flip to the other, next page. Really? Oh, there you go. Oh, there's a good crotch shot. Never mind. Okay. Yeah. So Benes knows what he's doing because mm-hmm. he, there's times where he's not. So I think that's a real credit to him that he knows when to use it and when not to. So I, as as much as it's a little over the top, and yeah. it's still done effectively and, yeah, and it, intelligently fun. chosen too. I think this would be exploitative if you were deciding to exactly. use sex when she's like really vulnerable and she's like ready to get out of there. Of course, you don't you're leaving it like that where she looks like she's in so much distress, Barbara, at the end. But then you realize what she there's always a secondary plan in Barbara's mind, I think. So there's a reason why she's calling out for the people. You make a great point. Because right, so staying on that page for a second, yeah. how many times have we seen in comics the sexy victim? Right. The, that that trope of they draw the woman in distress, really yeah. sexy, even though she's hurt. It's a, it's a weird Which thing. It was Dinah, Di- Black yeah. Canary, when she was kidnapped by Savant and Creo. Yeah, okay. that was pretty sexy. Yeah. Well, there, there's nothing sexy about this no. whatsoever. Yeah. Exactly. But go back one page and it, you're back with Canary and them. And she's wearing like the, the Superboy T-shirt and like, you know, she's got her belly showing, the hips going. I mean, it's, you know, it's it's sexy. <laughs> yes. So. Again, um, I, I give him credit for knowing when to use it intelligently. Yes, absolutely. I do. I'm going to complain a bit about in this one and then the last issue off panel land, just because there was okay. such a gap of time in Hong Kong going from the explosion to the airport because you smell gasoline, they all jump off. And then the next time we see them, it's the airport. And sure, maybe it would have been mundane, but I just wonder like how, you know, where'd you get those clothes? What was kind of the plan going into it? But maybe there just wasn't a lot of room. She um, does She does mention that she bought their airline tickets with her JSA credit card, which by the way, I find hilarious that yeah. she used a JSA credit card to buy two known assassins, you know, <laughs> airline tickets. But I'm assuming she bought the clothes with that as well. Oh, yeah, I guess we can assume that. that works. And it's fun that in Hong Kong, Superboy is so popular that you can buy his T-shirts. There you go. Well, even that, I mean, she doesn't exist yet. Well, actually, that's not true. But this looks like the Ms. Marvel. Oh, the little, uh, wait, the Z symbol yeah. on, on Shiva? Yeah. Oh, okay. But I don't know if they probably not. With Huntress, I do wonder what she, what secrets she's actually talking about. I guess we can assume wanting to know who Oracle is, but I wonder why this is happening now. And if this is just convenient to the story because we need Huntress in there to help out later. So I got a question to ask simply because my memory is is sketchy. Okay. Uh, and, and I don't know whether this has already been covered or this is a spoiler for something yet to come. But I recall a, a conversation, I'm pretty sure, between Canary and Huntress where they're barking they're arguing about something and canary yells at her well at least mr freeze doesn't know if i have an innie or an audi 
and where they're making fun of Huntress's costume because yes. Huntress has it was, has that already happened? Or I is that think com- it did happen. Okay. I think it was because um, after Dinah was kidnapped, her legs were broken. And so Huntress had to pretend to be Dinah to actually go and see Senator Pullman. That's what, okay. So it was and in so that run you covered. Okay. About the, yeah. I, uh, I just, I, I've never, this, this version of Huntress costume always drove me crazy. Oh. You know, why would she leave so much exposed skin? It's ridiculous. You know, the, yeah. it, so it always bothered me. It, it looks cool. Jim Lee did a nice design for Hush. Yeah. I think it was, and this is where it stuck from, but, uh, and I like what they do with it later yeah. when they close the stomach. And I think they give her, le- I think they cover her legs if I remember correctly, yeah. but either way, I just always thought this costume is a bit silly. It's not an all-weather costume. No, it's not. And it snows in Gotham. <laughs> yes, it does. All right. Want to move on? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So 65, uh, hashtag Carolyn knows where you see Barbara's head is cut off, but you have full body of Huntress and Dinah. And also Huntress is on top of a keyboard, which is yep. very disrespectful. Uh <laughs> Is there anything else? Well, it's drawn by Greg Land. Yes, drawn by Greg Land. Would you so, like to talk about your well, knowledge so, now? So the thing about Greg Land is he's he's an amazing illustrator. He draws incredibly gorgeous women. But if you look at their poses, these are not superhero poses. These are, uh, like, uh, when we looked at all the stuff earlier with Dinah jumping from boats, and there's even posters behind you showing people in action shots mm-hmm. right now, Stella, on your wall. There, there's Dinah there, and Hunter's very action-oriented. This po- this comic cover is women just in standard poses. And the reason why is Greg Land is famously known for taking real-life photos of beautiful models from, I don't know, Elle magazine or Cosmopolitan or Teen Vogue, hell, I don't know, whatever. And he just draws that as a superhero. So when you look at Dinah's pose here and you look at Hunter's pose, you're like, oh, wait a minute. Those are probably from Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Issue or something like that. That's probably where this actually comes from. That's what those poses are. Are they gorgeous? Are they sexy? Yeah, heck yeah. These yeah. these covers will sell, you know, but these are not what you're looking for with superheroes. Absolutely. And Babs looks like Sarah Michelle Geller. A little bit. Uh, you pointed out that, uh, didn't you say, oh, it was a different cover. Never I mind. That, the, next uh, issue. Next issue. Yeah. But next like, why is Babs wearing sunglasses? Babs doesn't, you know, they should have had her pulling her glasses, glasses down, not her sunglasses. Well, he's probably because the photo reference he's using is yeah. some girl was wearing sunglasses. So tamer, uh, Tata size though. Yes. Every yes. Sure. I mean, my, my wife even mentioned that. She's like, that. that's more like a realistic proportion yeah, on a girl. There you I'm go. Like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is Birds of Prey 65 Sensei and Student Part 4. Power and Permanence. May 2004 is the cover date. The creative team is the same. It'll change in 66 though. So Black Canary takes down a couple of muggers in a strange dream sequence, which I think we can surmise is if she decided to be the student of Lady Shiva. So Lady Shiva has offered Black Canary the chance to be her apprentice, but Canary asks for some time to consider the offer and is trying to be really respectful because she knows disrespect will probably end in death. And she's given 12 hours. How generous. Barbara, of course, has been kidnapped and after she is brought to the people because she has asked to talk to them, uh, she feigns ignorance of of why she's there. But she does pickpocket a cell phone from one of her captors when he hits her because she says that she only dates real men. And she ends up calling Huntress and throws it out of the, the cell. Huntress traces the call and 
because Barbara tells her how to, let me be clear about that, and goes to rescue Barbara. And she takes out some of the guards. She finds Barbara's cell. But the only thing standing in her way now is Savant, which, of course, they have encountered each other previously. First time that Savant has appeared. The two start to fight, and Barbara finds a gun, which is very shocking that she, she said, I don't like them, but she's pointing it, and she points it at Savant. Lady Shiva finds out that Cheshire killed her sensei, so now it is definite. She lied about swearing on her daughter's life, and the two women fight. Cheshire drugs Shiva with a neurological poison and holds a knife to her throat, and that's where we that is where we pause. <gasps> Shiva's dead. Okay. <laughs> well... I guess if we just start with the well, do you want to start with the dream sequence? Do you have any I, thoughts on that? I just want to mention it. I like this is some of the most interesting art in the whole book. Yeah. It's it's very different than anything else he's drawn. You do you do get a one giant crotch shot. Okay. So to, yes. forget the one crotch shot. The the art's really different. And and the coloring yeah. is very, very different. There's a lot of whites. That are used on highlights. There's a lot of fading that's going on here. It, it, it's interesting. The border panel stuff almost seems different. It just seems like an almost like he's trying to do a different art style. I really, again, other than the giant crotch shot, I really enjoy. Um, well, maybe even there, maybe even the crotch shot, but I really enjoy the dream sequence. I think it looks really cool. It's and at first I was like, what is happening right, right. now? Who is this? And they they called her the witch. I'm like, what? And then it was Dinah. And I thought, have we flashed forward? Am I in the wrong issue? But then, yeah, you you realize that, oh, this she's kind of imagining what that future would be if she were to study under the tutelage of Sheba. I do like the details on her. So, I mean, the only time I'll probably, I guess it's more of a hip shot, but yeah. I do appreciate this because you see the different people she's taken out. I don't know if she needed to kill Catwoman. I don't know if that was necessary, but you have Penguin. You have Joker. Finally, someone got the Joker. Uh, I'm not sure about the this the skull that she's got there. It looks like well, that's more like a codpiece kind of thing, okay. you know. Uh, unless she beat Lobo and took his. Oh, I don't gosh, know. Gosh, yeah. But uh, I, but yeah, I, I, these were all in my notes as well. That Joker yeah. scalp is is quite telling. Yes, I'm glad that she's some. Finally, somebody got rid of him. <laughs> Barbara's beat beat up. Yeah, you you do get a sexy pose of her butt in one yeah. shot, which I which I thought was unusual compared to what he did last issue, but it's it's yeah. not too bad. Yeah. That was actually um that was a sad thing to read where she says, even after all this time, my first instinct was to kick out at him, fat chance. Mm. So just to think like she probably tried to do it and then it didn't connect. Right. Um, right. But she had to take that lick in order to to get the cell phone for sure. So I I'm was, gonna I'm gonna ask a dumb question. There's a crotch shot. Yep. <laughs> Someone who who's, who typically rides in a wheelchair is is there a benefit in wearing heels? Because she's wearing, or I don't know whether you call those wedges or heels or whatever. There's a heel on her shoe, and yeah. I just it's not like not a, a it's not like a stiletto heel, but yeah. it's still it's a heel. You know, it's a good half inch inch heel or something. And I just that caught my attention. Like, huh? I wonder. I mean, they're fashionable, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I think it is mostly the fashion. Someone who right. actually, you know, who listens to the show, who is in the wheelchair can can certainly correct me. But, yeah, she's not going to use it at all. So I think, why not? Why can't she dress the way that she wants, even though yeah. she might be, yeah, in a chair? That's one thing. So, the yeah, the big thing for me, I think, is Huntress finding all of this out about... <gasps> Oh, about who Barbara is and then uh, specifically about, 
Nightwing and Barbara being together and sort of connecting the pieces. Now, this was a grievance I had. You said you listened to this previous episode. I don't know if you had heard me say, but was it Dinah? Dinah was accusing Barbara that the reason why she doesn't like Huntress is because Huntress was with Dick at one point. And I thought that was very reductive. (laughs) And I didn't think that well, it might be a portion of the re- that it, that Barbara is not that petty, but even Huntress is sort of assigning that like Gail. So I would say Gail Simone is, in fact, making that a reason. But I mean, what are your thoughts? Do you think that that would be a major so, reason as to why Babs is not like Huntress? I was absolutely arguing with you when I listened to the last episode. You just weren't listening. You were to arguing. Me. <laughs> oh, so, great. Here we go. Absolutely. Oh, Babs is holding gosh. a grudge that okay. Huntress slept with him because it doesn't matter whether Dick slept with her before they were ever together. After it doesn't matter. The guy she loves slept with this girl. It's not her fault. It's not Huntress's fault that this happened. Is it? She didn't do that to hurt Babs. It just doesn't matter when you love someone completely. You you don't begrudge what they used to do, but you don't like it. You know, I mean, it's like, it's like, I'm sure she doesn't actually blame Huntress. I'm sure she doesn't actually blame Dick. But you know, the back of her mind, she's like, you know what? I don't like that. And I don't, and I think she intellectually knows to rise above it, but yeah. then she probably just uh, rationalizes and comes up with other reasons why not to be happy with bat, you know, with the huntress. You know, Batman says she's bad and all these things, but somewhere in the back of her mind, it's bothering her because yeah. regardless of how much we want to like that, because you just said something like, I want to like Babs and I don't want to like someone that, who thinks that way. But she's also a person. She's yeah. got flaws. It's not a horrible flaw. It's not one that makes her a terrible, terrible person. It's just somebody who's got emotions, and emotions get in the way. Interesting. I am not a fan of my wife's past boyfriends for no other reason than they're my wife's past past boyfriends. Oh, okay. <laughs> Have you met them? Uh, her previous husband, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, we we I, I raised his son, so uh, oh, yeah. True, yeah. Yeah, a lot of interaction there. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Well, I guess there you have it. Yeah. Well, my so, personal experience doesn't align. So I guess once I may have more dating experience. <laughs> oh, I see where Barbara's coming from. Now. Well, you're only 14 years old. So I as know, soon as you're allowed you. to date. So. Yes. So the picture of Dick and Babs making out. Yeah. So pretty, pretty, pretty racy. Who took that? That is a good question. <laughs> Tim. Tim was there maybe. And it looks like Babs is standing. Gosh, yeah. Yeah, because it could, or, or he's I don't know. holding her. I don't know. He could be holding her up. I'm not sure. It's, but. It reminds me of the No Man's Land image where, like, he's holding her up. So she's, like, uh, still in the okay. chair, but, like, yeah. Okay. But who knows? Yeah. Who knows? So Ed Benes likes to draw Huntress. It, it, he, like, goes out of his way to draw her more trashy than the other characters, I feel oh. like. That's too bad. I don't mean trashy is not a nice word, yeah. but I mean if you go back to the first page where she's, uh, I don't know, I don't have page numbers here. Uh, it's probably page eight where she's squat, you know, and, and talking on the phone to Babs or the uh, the Babs the phone rings or whatever. Yeah, you can't miss the page when you get to it. No. Yeah, I mean that's that's pretty. Uh, didn't need to have that level of detail, and those clothes didn't have to fit in that way. Yeah. So is it is it disrespect? I don't know. I don't know if it's disrespect or he's trying to, maybe he's trying to make a statement. Maybe he's trying to say, you know what, when Helena wears this costume, she is trying, you know, like a power girl kind of thing. Maybe, you know, maybe Helen is trying to distract male opponents. So she wears clothes that fit in such a certain way. Yeah, it's true. And then this broke back pose when she's punching. Oh, I have to go forward to that. Let's see. 
This yeah. Is like a weird, she's got a weird curve in her spine, but yeah, yeah. very interesting. Do you feel like the senator has too much of a visceral reaction when he's called the father of Cheshire? Do you think it's like his fear for his reputation? Is it something, does it align with what we know? Well, I, I get the sense that, at least I got the sense that this is not the first time he's heard this accusation. I mean, he, he acts like it later that he hasn't heard about it. But from Cheshire, I got the sense that maybe she had addre- already addressed him. Like, I, I think they, I feel like they had communicated before this. So he screams, you're insane, get out. So I feel yeah. like maybe, you know, maybe it got too close to the, you know, hit a nerve. Yeah. Politicians are always wanting to be reelected. So this, I guess, would. You have a sociopath who killed, who destroyed an entire country as your daughter. That could yeah. be a problem. Then yeah. he has other problems, as we'll find out. Well, I, I, I like when it, the first time I read this through, I thought it was interesting that they introduced the dad, um, that the senator's father yeah. and the mother and his son. And, and I like, yeah. I was processing in my head, kind of going through a Chekhov's gun kind of scenario. Like, okay, Gail didn't just put these characters in here right. for flavor. This means something, and, and it will eventually. Yeah. But if you take that away, it's it is just kind of a nice addition that there are these other characters that populate his life because these people would have other people in their life. Yeah, there must be something wrong with that kid. Well, Dinah's leaning down, showing the cleavage. She doesn't even care. <laughs> <laughs> That's no shag. That's no little shag there. I do like how they kind of interconnect on, on one of those pages where it shows like Huntress fighting and then yes. on the same, the next panel, it's Dinah talking to the family yeah. and Huntress fighting and Dinah talking to people. So I, I, I they intercut starts. that nicely. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I, we keep coming up with stuff to criticize, but I mean, it's really well written. It's really well illustrated. It the the design, the storytelling. Even if you just forget the butt shots, forget the crotch shots, the storytelling is clean. You never question what's going on. Yeah. You're never confused. Uh, Benes has done a great job because that's part of your job. It's not just drawing pretty pictures. It's conveying the story in a linear way, and he does a great job at that. Yeah. Do you feel like Shiva would be outwitted by Cheshire in the end there? And also, um, do you think that Cheshire is this devious that she planned this far ahead with everything? I don't know enough about Cheshire to comment on that. Okay. Uh, the, the version of Cheshire we're seeing here, it seems like she'd be that devious. Uh, and they did call her the second greatest assassin in the world, so maybe so. Uh, and I do believe that Shiva could be beaten in this way because she's poisoned. She got And it all ties back to the mistakes they made in that the second installment, uh, or maybe it's the... Yeah, it was the second song where they let Cheshire get on that boat. Because that's what she's saying is when they got on the boat, she exposed Shiva to a toxin at that point. And so it's it it all comes back to them. not They shouldn't have trusted Cheshire as much as they did. So if you can accept that they trusted Cheshire, then you can absolutely accept that Shiva's got poisoned and is is struggling here. Yeah. It's because Babs wasn't there to say... What are you doing? Don't don't trust her because she's normally yeah. the one to do that. Any other thoughts on sixty five? She was wearing that cool coat again. Other than that, that's it. Okay. <laughs> now my least favorite issue of this story here, which is sixty six. <gasps> oh, you gotta really? be kidding me! Oh no! Oh, because you're missing the Ed Benes butt shots. I understand. <laughs> so this is Birds of Prey sixty six, a complete departure almost from the story. We have some Phil Noto, but the Phil Noto. What? Dan Brereton. Oh, then Noto Colors? Oh, that's interesting. I didn't notice that. Oh, um, why? Yeah, I guess maybe he colored he maybe he colored it. I don't know. Or maybe he inked it. I'm not seeing the Well, cuz I was about to say it's so thick. The lines are so thick. Well, you keep talking. I'm going to use the magic okay. box to find out. Uh, so this is 
Issue 66, Sensei and Student Part 5, Murder and Mystery. June 2004 is the cover date. Gail Simone writer, Michael Gordon guest penciler. So things are very different. Mike Manley and Scott Hanna with Michael Gordon as guest inkers and hi-fi so, design is still the color. Yep. Say his name again, if you would. Which one? Hi-fi? The, ar- the, the artist. The artist? Did I yeah. not? Is it not Mike? Wait, Michael Golden? Michael Golden, who's a very famous. You said Gordon. Oh. Uh, Michael, Michael Gold- <laughs> I'm so sorry, Michael. Michael, Gold- Michael Golden, who's a very famous comic book artist. So, uh, Dan, you know, Mike's Amazing World just credits Dan Brereton for the cover. So I guess uh, Noto colored it. Okay. Must be. Which is interesting because Brereton usually colors his own stuff. Yep. You do All kind right. of have a Carolyn No situation because you just have her head. But also you just have Dinah's head, too. But her mom is full bodied, but anyways, Laurel. or no, wait, uh, what's, what's her mom's name? Is it, it it's Dinah as well. Isn't it? Isn't it Dinah Laurel Lance? Yeah, I think that's right. The different middle name. That's yeah. what it is. Okay. Yeah. That's uh, right. Okay. So black Canary goes to the first Gotham trust and opens a safe deposit box. The box contains old case files of the original black Canary, her mother narrative begins following that of the original black Canary's case book, wherein Dinah, Ooh, Dinah Drake Lance attends a fundraiser at a museum at which the Bertinelli, Galente, and Falcone crime families are each in attendance. A woman is murdered, bringing an end to the party. Donna puts on her costume and tracks the killer to a Chinese laundromat where she racism, where she finds another murder victim. This woman's hair has been dyed blonde, and Canary makes a deduction that the killer only kills blonde women. Meanwhile, the killer is at the Gotham Library, where where he holds the librarian hostage, with whom Dinah had been conferring and and doing some research with. Uh, so he's holding the librarian hostage and forces her to put on a blonde wig, which he has brought. But Canary manages to save the librarian, but the killer escapes and later on sends her a note i believe at the very end through the librarian and the librarian deduces that don is in fact black canary but basically talks about his life and wants to be called what was it the well he says i think you're as juicy as a holiday peach yes which is a key key thing that happened in the previous issue I guess. Yeah. So we now connect that this serial killer of blondes is Senator Pullman's father. Because he said that to her when he met her. Exactly right. Yes. Yes. So that's where all these, it's like when you're first reading this issue, it's like, you're right. What's going on here? This must be fill in inventory story of the month. Right. But then it all clicks and you're like, oh my gosh. Yeah. I, but yeah. So my, in saying that was my least favorite, I guess I just wondered how necessary it was. Because obviously there is a point, but too late. You blew it. You blew it. What do you mean? I mean, you, you, mean you I said it's it. your least favorite. It's it's incredible. It's Michael Golden. <laughs> it's the JSA ver. You know, classic uh, Bur- uh, Black Canary. There's uh-huh. other cool I threads that Gail it. put in it's, here, and you okay. called it your least favorite. It's too late. Least it's out there. Favorite of the well, okay. Because all of a sudden I'm with a different artist. I'm not with Dinah. Dinah. I'm with Dinah. Mother. Dinah. And we're like, why do we need to worry about this particular storyline in this moment? So that's why. But you get there, though. We do get there. But I just feel like. No patience, that Stella girl. No patience to let a story unfold. We spent an entire issue on this. And then in the final issue, there are all these things that I have questions on. How did you get there? And there's one panel that attempts to explain how all that happened. So that's why I'm like, what? 22 pages we could have filled more you know well i was thankful for a chance to see some michael golden art. i'm sure you were 
So he's a couple of books he's famously known for are Micronauts, my beloved Micronauts, which Woo! I absolutely love. And a little book that uh, one of your other co-hosts is familiar oh. with called The Nom. <gasps> um, Mr. Hmm? Tom Panarese. He penciled the first uh, 11, oh. 12, 13 issues or so. So, yeah. So uh, Michael Golden is is well regarded throughout the comic book industry. He's a fantastic artist. And I think the art in this is really fun. It's really cool. I uh, I like you. I didn't understand it either, uh, but I was enjoying well, it. Wow, you hypocrite. Well, I, I I wasn't angry about it though. I was like, okay, this is a fun interlude. I guess yeah. you know the cover even tells you the cover's like a gag. It's got you know a Dinah Drake uh, sitting there in like a sexy pose with her hair fluffed and says, "This issue's all about me and my mama." It's it's hilarious. And so I, you know, I was like, okay, whatever. But then, did you notice like the the Birds of Prey history that was being retro- retconned in here? The Birds of Prey history. Yeah. No, where? Okay. Dinah Drake in her socialite persona, right? Okay. She goes and befriends who? Jim Gordon? No. Well, he's there, but (laughs) no. She goes and befriends a librarian. Oh, a librarian. Oh, oh. Black Canary is teaming up with a librarian. Oh. The librarian's name is Laurel. What is Dinah Drake's daughter's name? Yeah. Dinah Laurel. Yeah. So, yeah, so the, obviously, her, you know, our Black Canary from Birds of Prey, That's this true. is her namesake for her middle name. So, so uh, having friendships with librarian runs in the family. Exactly. So Black Canary and librarians are always destined to team up. What do you think about this man? Pull it. Where is this? This man. Oh, At the party? One. Yeah, pulling his uh, wedgie out. He is pulling his wedgie out. I noticed that too. <laughs> so I was reading in panel by panel mode. Feeling and I was really like, uncomfortable in the suit. But I'm just like, <laughs> I've never seen that sort of artistic detail ever. And on a man and not a woman. All these women we're reading should be pulling their wedgies out constantly. I, I know. Well, it's weird too, because as he's doing it, the line he says is, if you're looking for ugly, you're looking in the wrong direction. Oh, you know, it's like as yeah. the moment he's pulling a wedgie out, which was so strange. But, yeah, you know, as a man, I will tell you, we get them too. I can't believe so, it. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Interesting. Uh, so it was fun. The fundraiser. I loved seeing her mom being this, you know, 1940s glamour queen. You know, yes. all the guys swooning over her, the black hair, which we don't get to see often enough. Um, you, the the mobsters. You know, you heard the mobster's name, right? Yep. What was his last name? Burton Alley. There you go. See, yep. it's all. So the connection. Yeah. Yep. All tied together there. Very much. Do you think that's too much tied, too on the nose tied together, or do you like it? I liked it. Now, if they had tied like every bit of like, you know, oh, this is how the Burton Alley family were killed. You know, if they, if they put everything in this issue, you know, sort of like the solo movie did, like everything we knew about Han Solo happened in three days in the solo movie or whatever. Uh, I might have had an issue, but I think I think this is all fine. Yeah. Okay. Any other thoughts? No, it's just it was it was definitely an interlude, but yeah. it does piece it together. So uh, it, which is a necessary piece to to finish the story out. Sure. Yeah. So I enjoyed it. I, I do think it's interesting that. One phrase that Dinah heard an old man say yeah. was enough to lead her to the singular case file that solves the day. Yeah. I mean, obviously, she'd read it before and remembered seeing it, right. but it's just interesting that, it, you know, she made the leap that that old man used the phrase to deciding he's the murderer. Like, I, I don't know that there's enough evidence. It's very circumstantial. Right. And there's nothing, there's yeah. nothing in the case, unless I'm missing something, that points to, you know, old man Pullman. I, I don't, I, other than that one phrase, I don't yeah. think there's anything else, is there? I don't think so. Okay. The blondes. Right. Yeah, no. Yeah. That was it. 
Okay, last one. All right. This is where I said I thought Cheshire looks like Catherine Zeta-Jones. And it's by Michael Golden, so it probably is. So once again, you if you look at it- what? Greg Land? Oh, sorry, Greg Land. Yes, I'm sorry. Yes, by Greg Land. That's why I apologize. So as you look at it, yeah, and everyone is not in superhero dynamic poses. They're all in standard, what you might see a model doing. Other Hunter's pointing the crossbow. Maybe there's something there he had a photo reference. But yeah. other than that, every other pose- in fact, even the crossbow is blurred if you look at it. Yeah. So um, everything else could have just come from, you know, Vogue. Yeah, the Charlie's Angels. Is this Shiva? What? When has Shiva worn this outfit in the story? The white outfit? Not yeah. at all. Not at all. I guess Canary's doing her canary cry. That's clearly a model who's like <laughs> doing a funny look or a laugh or something. But then but Catwoman, who even knows? And then I, Barbara, hashtag Carolyn knows because you only see part of her face. Yeah. Okay, well, this is 67, Birds of Prey 67, Sensei and Student Part 6, the finale, Faith and Finality. So all of these titles have been alliteration. July 2004 is the cover date. And the same creative team as the previous, so Gail Simone, Ed Benes, uh, Alex Lay, and Hi-Fi. Black Canary breaks into the federal facility that kidnapped Barbara Gordon. Inside, Cheshire speaks with her father, Senator Pullman, and several government agents. A guard goes to Gordon's cell to move her, and Hunters pops out and knocks him out cold. Catwoman is now helping the birds of prey with their mission this time around. <laughs> Savant is also now helping them. See, all of this is like... Uh, off panel end in my opinion he, and he's now attacking guards among others recruited to help take down the facility are katana katana banana and gypsy cheshire orders her father at knife point to call a helicopter so they can escape black canary leaps aboard the helicopter and faces lady shiva and cheshire Shiva wants to kill Cheshire and Canary wants to bring her in. And as a compromise, Canary punches Cheshire, knocking her out of the helicopter. She will survive the fall probably with a few broken bones. And then Canary tells Shiva she cannot be her apprentice. Um, That synopsis also leaves out the fact that Babs blows Cheshire's plan because she uh, records Pullman saying what he did kidnapping those women and that he would kill them without a thought and publicizes that that the father is captured by Canary wearing her mother's outfit and also perhaps biggest of all Babs tells all these people that they could be on the team like they kind of have temporary team membership but Huntress is officially on the team which is a big move for her. So, yes, my big thing is off panel land. I feel like it doesn't do us any favors. I didn't know how these other women, Gypsy and Katana, and how were they contacted? Because Dinah has little to no expertise with computers. Dinah is what goes from two issues before wondering where Barbara is to now she knows where Barbara is and what has happened to her. Um, Savant all of a sudden being on their team. All these things well, happened and we don't know how. There's one panel that I can say. Is, the Savant thing I have an answer for. Okay. Well, this is the only panel that says when Canary got to the clock tower and it says Dinah SOS click here, emergency coordinates and radio frequency. So that one little panel can answer some questions because it probably helped her get to her Rolodex as well. But I was just annoyed with that. But yes, please give me your explanation for what you say, Savant? For, for Savant. Yes. So two issues ago, before the Golden Age flashback, uh, Savant faces down against Barbara, and Barbara's pointing the gun at him. 
Yeah, and she true, says, yes. she says, I have an offer for you. Oh. And earlier he, he said all he cared about was his friend that's locked up in jail. That is true. Yeah. So she says, I have an offer for you. Then we get the interlude issue. So you have a whole month to kind of forget about it. Then you come back and suddenly he's working for her. Yeah. So it's not necessarily, I mean, it, well, the offer was off panel. So that's fair. It was off panel, <laughs> but at least it's not completely out of the blue. Like Catwoman's out of the blue. Yeah. Katana's out of the blue. Gypsy's out of the blue. Other than clearly... Uh, they feel like it's very important to or surround themselves with women with black hair. Shiva, Huntress, Catwoman, Gypsy, you know, I mean, <laughs> all of them have black hair, which is a little weird. Uh, they, they had that kind of fetish or something for this issue. I don't know. But uh, yeah. Like it, with red hair? That's not so much a fetish as a way of life. But anyway. <laughs> okay. um, so uh, yeah, the off panel stuff, I can see what you mean. You make a good point about that. I, I am not comfortable with them bringing in Catwoman because Catwoman is a she is a villain. I know she has her own book. Yeah. That's the that's the only reason she gets brought in is because on the publishing side, Catwoman is an anti-hero, you know, so yeah. let's use her for stuff. They should not be bringing, just like nowadays, they use Harlequin all the time. And I'm like, no, you shouldn't be using her. She's not like a friend, you know? Yeah. So Do I don't think, think this is a reaction to being post that Batman story by Jim Lee. And that because there is a line in there that says Batman has given her like kind of temporary hero status. Hmm. Uh, I mean, that could be the rationale, but I think it's more Gail just wants to, and, and I don't mean this in a bad way. I think Gail wants to play with all the toys. Sure. You know, this is the big finale. This is the big, you know, half a year went into this story. Yeah. So let's make it end huge and big. And that's great. You know, I mean, let's let's bring out every one of the cool characters that could be a supporting character in Birds of Prey going forward. Yeah. And so I don't falter for that. I just think when you really embed yourself in nerd wise in the story and try and play, you know, logic person, I don't think Catwoman works. But yeah, for a story, it's, it's fun. Yeah, with those miniseries at the begin, which at the beginning of Birds of Prey with Chuck Dixon, that was one of the people that Barbara says don't get mixed up with her. And then we had that short in the Secret Files where you see Barda, you see Fate, you see Fire. So there were other people that she could have potential. Well, she definitely has in her Rolodex, but yeah. If they're recruiting people with black hair. <laughs> Barda should always be your first call. Sure. I want, you know, so I, a, a new god, yeah. right? A new god who can smash through walls. Absolutely. Yes, please, and has yeah. an attitude. Yes, please. Absolutely. <laughs> who is um, the? Oh, yes, you go ahead. Well, I was going to say I really like that uh, Canary is using her stronic scream. You know, I'm, I'm glad yes. that we're seeing it. It's it's happening more. It should be happening. She should be using it, quite frankly, all the time. And right. she gives rationale why she doesn't. Right. Uh, but I, I like seeing it. I love that shot of her coming on the motorcycle, smashing through the wall and screaming. Now, maybe she shouldn't have a line of text at the same time because it's a little hard to scream and talk at the same time. Yes. But it's a cool shot. Yes. If I can find it. Oh, there's a butt shot, too. Imagine that. But uh, yes, I do like her rationale for not always using it. And also earlier on, I guess it was probably the first issue in this arc. She shows how she's able to really focus it now because she's been training with Batgirl and she's able to blow. I think Shiva's holding an apple or something and she just targets that apple. So you can see that she's getting more skilled and training and everything. It was a pool. It was a pool cue ball. But oh, yeah, that's what it was. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I, I, I will say, though, as I'm going through it, as much as the cool shots are and the action's great, I do think uh, Benes makes Black Canary's costume a little too cheeky. Cheeky. Uh, on the backside. Like, I see. A little too much uh, coming out out there. Too much? Well, I mean, I don't mind. I'm I a see. fan. But yeah. I'm just saying there's there's a lot of cheek going on when she's yeah. walking around. 
Well, she's basically wearing a bathing suit with. Yes, she is. So, you know. Bless him. (laughs) Who would you say in this entire story, because now I think we can start talking about the whole thing. Who do you think is the actual villain, like, of this arc? Hmm. That's a good question. So, all right. So, it is revealed the grandfather is the serial killer from the 40s. Yes. And it's revealed that Pullman, the senator's son, who's, I guess, the grandson of the killer, is the one who's hacking all the computers. Yes. Right? So, but being told to because he is pretty innocent because we even see like he just wants to play video games, but Pullman's kind of talking to his son and telling him to do that. So, I would say Pullman's the villain. I would say the grandfather is just like a bonus, you know, Mm -hmm. it's because he didn't he didn't do anything with the grandson, right? It was all the the senator who was pressuring his own son, right? The grandfather didn't pressure the kid, right? Right. Okay. And then Cheshire, (sighs) where does she come into play? Oh gosh. Okay. So there's, se- there's several villains here then. <laughs> you're right. Yeah. You're right. You got three villains. You got Pullman, you got his dad, and you got Cheshire, but they're all operating in different ways. Yeah. You know? Uh I would say Pullman, well, I don't know. Is Pullman the worst one? Probably. He's pulling people off the streets. Yeah. It wasn't a heat of the moment decision. He he contemplated this. He was okay with torturing them. He then ordered all of these women to be killed. He said, kill all the, 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 the prisoners. So I, I think Pullman, the senator, is probably the worst one of them. Take it. Do you think, because we didn't need to have Grandpappy Pullman be, right. you know, be a villain, but is this almost like a nature versus nurture thing that we're seeing, oh, it's running in the family? I think that's what they're trying to say, is that the whole family's corrupt the whole way through. I suppose it could be, I mean, if it could be that they did have an inventory story with that old man. Like, if you really think about the Michael Golden story, the, the flashback to the JSA one, mm-hmm. if they didn't have the peach story at the end, the peach comment at the end, yeah. that could have just been a, a fill-in issue. So I guess it's possible it was an inventory story and they just found a way to make it fit. I don't know. Because, yeah, the, the grandfather does seem a little strange. So the grandson, how did he successfully hack in and learn Bab's real name and all that? I don't – we just we're just supposed to say cuz – I, yeah, because Jessica says that she's never even typed her own name on her system. Right. So honestly, I have no idea. Okay. And are we supposed to assume Babs's computers are clean now? I think she has to clean them. Okay. So we j- did something happen at the end? Didn't we see? I think the kid went to jail too, didn't he? The hmm. or he was or he or, or he was not being subverted anymore. Let me see. They, I don't know. Maybe we don't have an answer. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. All right. So at the end, all these uh, people that have been brought in as, you know, helpers for the uh, birds of prey. Mm-hmm. Is Shiva one of them? Is that what she's telling us? I I would doubt that. Because I would think so. Gives, I would doubt that too. Yeah. She only gives the cards, the physical cards to Catwoman and Gypsy. Gypsy. And okay. All right. Katana, though I didn't see it. Yeah. Well, Savant is... On the payroll now, too. And he's a pretty terrible dude. Yeah, that is true. So I, I, other than because plot, you know, I I have a hard time with them working with Savant on a regular basis. And and Shiva as much as they did, and they will again soon. Yeah. It's just, I I feel like those two go against everything the Birds of Prey stand for. And I just. It was a Savant, that mission only. That, hey, you get me out of here. I get your best friend slash potential love interest out. And then we're clean. You've read ahead, though, right? Yeah. Well, I know. I'm just saying for right now. <laughs> right. For today, Maybe. sure. But you and I both know Savant's going to be around yeah. and Shiva's going to be around. And I just, and, it's, uh, yeah. I have a hard time with that. So, yeah. 
No, I, I agree. Well, hopefully it's explained. And I guess I'll complain if it's not. So let me ask you, because we've been, again, we're bagging on the story and yet there's a <laughs> lot to love in here. There's some really, again, great storytelling, great so, action. Enjoy Dinah in her mom's old costume. Yes. I love that moment. The mask, the mask and the jacket and all that. Yeah. So did you enjoy this issue? Did you this have particular did it, issue? Yeah. Yes. As it, yes. Uh, besides off panel land. So I have to kind of get over that annoyance a bit, but I enjoyed everything finally coming together. We're realizing, oh, this is how everything's connected. Um, seeing what the birds of prey could be, you know, an expansive team or having a rotated cast or roster was nice. And then also seeing Barbara evolve and allow Huntress. I think that's a huge moment, even though it's just a beat. It's just, you know, a page or a panel or something like that. So overall, I, I did enjoy it. Good. Okay. I, I loved it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, and I'm, this issue and obviously the whole storyline, I, I, everything you just mentioned, the growth, the change that, that you see Gail's laying out a plan that yeah. this isn't just going to be more of the same. She's evolving the birds of prey. She's taking a new direction, which is great. I love the JSA nods. I love seeing all the butt kicking and the, and the great fight. Uh, the Cheshire thing, I thought it was anyway. I, I, that's a, that's a, the, the fight mm-hmm. on the helicopter, like, uh, what's her name? Dinah putting herself in between Cheshire and Shiva. I don't know at that point. I think I think even anyone would have been like, you know what? You do what you need to do to Cheshire. Okay? Because yeah. enough of this. But um, but yeah, I enjoyed the issue. And I, I don't want to always sound like I'm being negative. It's just when you do a podcast, you, oh, you no, tear these true. things apart. It's what you it's do. True. It's true, yeah. yeah. You, you tear apart the things you love. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think my biggest, well, besides that issue five, uh, I do think there was a lot going on. In yeah. this in this story, and it does end up working together. I think a weaker writer would not have been able to make it work, and I think all the details and strings that Simone had in the beginning get worked out. But there, it's just it's a lot, and I mean, all of Cheshire's confessions go all the way back to the. So you have to like rework through everything that happened in the beginning once she starts to talk to you. So it's it's very complicated. <laughs> It's a well, it's it again, I hesitate to call it a mystery, but it's a well-structured situation that you're right. It has a bunch of callbacks. And on a second reading, you're like, oh, I'm seeing all the threads here where I'm seeing, okay, that was a lie. And that's why it's playing out this way. So yeah, it definitely benefits from a second reading. Uh, I think it's, a, I think it works best as a trade together rather than yeah. going month by month by month. Yeah. Um, but I, I, now if we talk globally, I love the storyline. I think it was a lot of fun. I think you got a lot of great art. You got a lot of great story. You got a lot of great characters. And uh, I, I think it's a huge win. Yeah. And I forgot to mention that Cheshire is a bit petty here because she does want to get back at Dinah because of Dinah's time with her daughter. Yes, so that's that right. I forgot about that. Brought up there. So and then you wonder, is that, you know, does that make sense as motivation? I guess. I, well, I guess if you're a so- sociopath or a psychopath, maybe. Well, if someone else is raising your kid. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be enough to tick you off because it was not like it was not like Shiva. Or I'm sorry. Uh, not like Cheshire gave up the child willingly. I mean, Roy took Leanne and ran and basically said, you don't get to be involved in my daughter's life. Yeah. Very true. So what would you give this out of uh, 10? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> 10 what should I? <laughs> 10 crotch shots 10 um, crotch shots so i gotta ask are, are we doing we are doing the story as a whole, whole not, story okay yep. all right out of 10 crotch shots i would give it um a very healthy eight okay yeah i think i would agree with you and give it an eight out of 10 crotch shots <laughs> you're the one who made that grading system <laughs> i don't have a problem with it <laughs> yeah. thank you so much for being on here and going through this with me 
this has been a blast. Thank you so because I love this book, and I just I haven't made the time to reread all the issues. You know, I love the Chuck Diction run so much. I was so thrilled when I rediscovered it when Gail Simone came on, and I, I, it's a fantastic book. And just revisiting it brought back so much joy. I'm glad to hear it. Glad to hear. This it. was a great period in DC Comics, and uh, yeah, I, it, it, this book's kicking on all thrusters, and it's going to keep getting even better for quite a while. Oh, okay. I look forward to it. Well, I mean, before I kick you off, you know, I've got to spray things down in Clorox, et cetera. Totally understand. Uh, <laughs> where can people find and support you? Oh, it was very kind of you to say or ask. Uh, over at the Firewater Podcast Network, I'm on a number of shows over there. Uh, the primary ones you can find me on are going to be the Justice League International Blah Ha Ha Podcast, all about the Keith Giffen and J- – yes, I know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> uh, Keith Giffen and JD, uh, G, JMD Mateus era, the, the funny league era. Then I have the Once Upon a Geek show we talked about earlier, which is all just about what I'm enjoying at that time. And then I'm also on our Aquaman and Firestorm show or Who's Who, Digest Cast, a number of shows. But you can find me over there just about almost every week uh, doing something. That's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> Man. And it's the same network that houses Dear Reader Season 2. Yeah, would you believe it? Coming soon to Coming ear holes soon. near you. Yes, indeed. Very exciting time to do that. <laughs> we are so thrilled to have you part of the network. So I appreciate. I mean, it's uh, I was talking with one of your board members, the Canadian board member, and uh, just yeah, it's you got to go through a rough process to even get accepted to be on the network. So now that I was on, yes. and then you were you were asking if I was going to do season two, I'm like, well, I guess I didn't mess up season one. <laughs> okay. But, everyone loves that you're there so oh, now you, you shun us and you won't join our private group chat which is perfectly fine we understand yeah. you know all I the other cool kids are in it but what is that discus oh my gosh I, we'll talk off the air but you <laughs> okay oh my gosh okay well shag is going to bow out this happens i think basically i don't know if you've ever stayed on for a modern tale but that's okay why would i want to talk about new comics when i don't in, other than nightwing yeah, uh yeah, I, nightwing's I, really good yeah. Nightwing's amazing but and I, thank, thank you for being one of the folks that suggested i read it absolutely yes i won't be covering nightwing um because it'll be real quick i need to get this episode out before i go to New York City, and then it'll be too late. So anyways, but I'm going to come back. I'll do some listener emails, and I'm also going to cover Batgirls number 14. But first, Zias' Radio Hour featuring Father of Mine by Everclear. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Father of Mine, tell me where have you been? You know I just closed my eyes. My whole world disappeared. Father of mine, take me back to the day. Yeah, when I was still your golden boy, back before you went away. I remember blue skies walking the block. I loved it when you held me high. I loved to hear you talk. You would take me to the movie. You would take me to the beat. Take me to a place inside that is so hard to
Welcome back. I am going to start with some listener email. Mail time. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. So first I have from my podcasting big bro, Tom Panarese. This is in regards to episode 227. He says, Stella, well, I spent a couple of days before Christmas binging three whole episodes of your podcast. And I'm happy to say that I not only am I done, but the house is clean, <laughs> smiley emoticon. I don't have much commentary on episodes 225 or 226. And aside from the Nightwing book, which I obviously have been loving, I haven't been reading any current bad books. So I'll keep any commentary to the stuff from the past. So these issues are taking place literally one month before the first issue of Identity Crisis drops. And that means that Dan DiDio era at DC has started to hit its stride and the seeds for Infinite Crisis are being planted. Now, this is speculation on my part, but I wonder if Devin Grayson was acting on editorial mandate to take Dick Grayson's life apart in the storyline, which, by the way, sounds a lot like the Born Again story from Daredevil Then Dies Nightfall. But my opinions on such topics are always sus. So take them with a grain of salt. We know that Dio had wanted to kill Dick off near the end of Infinite Crisis, so having his life go completely to hell around this time does kind of track. What also tracks is the abhorrent behavior of Bat Jerk at this time. Over in the Robin title, Tim has just quit and Steph has taken over, and we know how that ends. And over the course of the next year, we'll get War Games and Under the Hood, followed by the whole Brother I OMAC project story. I'm not defending Bat Jerk and would never do so, but I will say that knowing these storylines are coming up, his behavior in these books makes sense. As for Nightwing number 93, I did read this when it came out, but I was such a casual comics reader at this time. We're talking May, June 2004. There was a lot going on in my life, and while I did get my books on the regular, I wasn't reading any comics news, message boards, or other forums. I don't even remember if I reacted at all to that scene at the time. So I'm going to trust those who have better bad expertise than I do, read everyone, to provide you with information about the controversy about the issue. But for the first time in nearly 20 years, I went back and read the comic. 
why is this scene even there? I thought that overall the issue is very good, especially the confrontation with Blockbuster and his death. Dick's panic attack after it happened that led to him being incapacitated on the roof makes total sense. But then she what? Even if it was consensual, it's wholly unnecessary. Plus, I read ahead a few issues and spoilers. This doesn't get addressed at all unless I'm missing something, which I probably am. The death of Blockbuster gets a lot of ink, but it's like he's not even aware that she... Not only that, can we also talk about how Devin Grayson is kind of playing into a stereotype of the hot-tempered, sexy Latina character who's definitely frisky and also dangerous? Anyway, I could go on, but this email is long enough. Can't wait for the next episode, Tom. Tom, thanks for writing in. I feel like I've read Born Again, but it has been a long time. But I think that that is an appropriate comparison, to be sure. And then I didn't, yeah, really consider because Dan DiDio for some reason, doesn't seem to like Dick Grayson. And he has, in fact, wished that he has been killed off. I don't know. It's very interesting how someone could have such distaste for such a great character like Dick. But that kind of does. I I wouldn't be surprised either if there is some sort of mandate because, yeah, just put him through hell, put him through the ringer, and then maybe we'll get to kill him off. But it, it was not to be. The bat jerk stuff that also tracks, yeah, because he is kind of doing some some real bad stuff there. But now, as you mention it, like, oh, yeah, there are some sequences that's happening. And then in regards to the scene and then the aftermath, that would that was, in fact, what I was concerned about. I think that's what I had mentioned, you know, a couple episodes, or I guess 227, just where let's see what happens after this. We've got this scene. What are going to be the repercussions? How is he going to be reacting? Is there sort of PTSD? And so it is a bit of a spoiler for me, but it's that that's just disappointing and unfortunate that he doesn't carry that weight with him and we we don't see that because then I think the big question is why is that even there if it were there and it had long lasting impact then I think it would have been more worthwhile but if you do this to a character then it seems just unnecessary and you bring up a good point almost in the line of something Professor Coca I think would say just bringing up that leaning into that stereotype that's something that I didn't consider I know that some people accuse Grayson of being like a write-in or how would you phrase that? That tarantula is an author stand-in, I think, but that's interesting. I don't know what her, I assumed that she was white, but perhaps she, she does have some Latina blood in there, but you are right about that. I wonder if that was just accidental and, and look, unfortunately, what, what has happened with that. So thank you for writing in. And hopefully you don't get another backlog. I mean, it's funny because you say you binge three episodes, but that's like six hours. I mean, when you listen to one of my episodes, it's basically like watching a movie. I also had an email from Earth to BFF, Shana. She says, Stella, thank you for 13 years of BTO. When I first discovered your podcast in 2021, I was going through a lot of life changes that had left me feeling depressed, anxious, and insecure about my future. For the first time in years, I was dealing with suicidal ideation. It was scary and the changes kept coming relentlessly. I felt like I had lost control of my life. That being said, BTO was a constant for me in, in 2021. I listened to much of your episode backlog during nightly walks when I could not sleep or found myself too restless to sit still. Not only did 
did I find joy in hearing you and your guests discuss my favorite comic book character and some of my favorite comic books, but I always appreciated your sincerity. You don't shy away from the things you love, and I think that is wonderful. It might not sound like much, but please believe me when I say BTO helped me through a bleak year. It actually does. <laughs> it means a lot, Shana. It means a lot that you're even just sharing that uh, personal story with me and with listeners. But as you know, you know, I've, I've also had a tough time and, and I just tried to like keep going with this podcast. Cause I thought, you know, if I can help anyone out or bring joy, even if I'm having a tough time and maybe these books aren't the best, but trying to be out there and, and make some sort of connection. So I'm glad that that happened. And I'm very appreciative of you quite honestly, and genuinely just that you consistently write in and you listen. I'm always appreciative of all of my listeners and most especially those that take time to write to me. So thank you very much. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping that you're, you're doing better. Just one step at a time. Am I right? <laughs> with, with, with some of these things that uh, we have to go through. Life has been a lot easier on me in 2022, but my appreciation of your show has not lessened. This last year, I very much enjoyed writing into BTO. Before, I only had Twitter and Reddit, which I found both to be all-around miserable experiences when trying to talk comics. So thank you for allowing me to be a part of the conversation on your show. I always look forward to hearing your thoughts. That being said, I actually enjoy the Batgirls Annual and number 13, probably more than any other book in this series to date. I thought both issues flowed well and that there was a more conservative use of the narration boxes. I found myself getting swept up in the story and thought the plot was compelling, though I am partial to family stories. I love them and can't wait to read what happens in number 14 between Steph and Cluemaster. Well, it doesn't happen in 14. I do hope Shiva stays around a little longer and we get more with her and Cass. Something about the tone in these two issues feels different, too. The story is still fun and there is a goofy antic Freaky Friday, but Shiva and Cluemaster feel like actual threats. I worried for both Steph and Cass in number 13. I think these two issues have struck a nice balance between fun and serious, at least for my taste. I hope it continues. Yeah, I think there was a bit more at stake here, especially with with what was going on, because you do start off with a zany tone and then you realize, oh, these two are like with their flipped parents and these parents are not the best of people. So our girls are in, in danger. So I can see what you're saying there about that balance. I will say the book seems to be increasingly focusing more on Steph and Cass. Babs kind of feels like an afterthought. I hope she is right and that her moving to the clock tower won't lessen her involvement with the back roles. I think what really bothers me is that I expected to see Babs shine as a mentor in the series. Agreed. But it is pretty apparent that neither Cass nor Steph need one. I wish there was more time spent on the relationship Babs has with each of them and not just the relationship Steph and Cass have with each other. Yeah, I fully agree with you there. Speaking of, what do you think Steph wrote in her letter? Well, we're about to find out, aren't we? If Kyle wasn't around, I'd be tempted to put money on it being a love confession. That entire scene and conversation about writing, quote, everything we want to tell each other but don't know how, end quote, felt like shipping to me. Yes. And this is a constant subject, isn't it, of Cass and Steph shipping? And are we supposed to see it or are we not supposed to see it? But maybe it's some wild twist that no one will see coming. I am so curious. I'm sorry to hear that this year has been difficult for you. I hope the coming year is better and that you are taking care of yourself. All the best, Gina. Yes. Well, you know, it's already up and down. I was, I won't say promise, but I was told one thing at work that like my mental health jumped up several points. And then the weekend and a Monday later, I was told to, on Tuesday, I was told 
unfortunately that was taken away from me. So one could say it was lied to, but I think it was, it was more likely that the person who originally told me that's honestly what she thought. And then someone came in and countermanded that. So I'm not in the best position currently Thursday. I'm happy to say I will be subbing for Aladdin class. So I'm super excited about that, but yeah, we'll, you know, I'm it's, what I have found is you leave a st- one stable job and you encounter years of instability. I think I've I've told this to other people. My best friend, she was considering, you know, finding another job. And I said, just so you know, when you leave a stable job, you encounter you may encounter years of instability. Because I'm, you know, applying for other jobs now to, because I'm being taken advantage of, let's just say. But I'll try to speak positively on this or this second part here and not get in the weeds. I will say that. A source close to Michael W. Conrad spoke to someone that we know about this book and the fact that we had an idea of what the book was going to be, and it seems like it's different. And so this source said that Michael W. Conrad told the source that editorial specifically green with the book on the idea that it would be geared towards a young female audience, which is very different from the extant cast and stuff fandom because they haven't really been earnestly used in so long. So there's a pressure on them on the writers that is to make the atmosphere feel a lot more like DC superhero girls because they're trying to pursue those types of readers, which I do I love DC superhero girls and perhaps we don't really have that, but I just feel like we're maybe blindsided. Isn't the right word, but like led astray. I think we had different expectations and they're not, we, they weren't being met. And that's the problem. You get these ideas and then you get disappointed. So it's probably best to, have no expectations whatsoever. But, you know, I'm even saying that right there. And 14 throws that whole thing, I mean, makes that source and that conversation uh, contradict itself. But before I even get into 14, I just want to thank you. Thank you for writing in, both Tom and Shana. They, I didn't have a YouTube video last time. Remember, I just was trying to make it, basically. And so there are no YouTube comments. Now, I, I'm behind in Nightwing, honestly, so perhaps once I feel like it, it's not going to be this time because I'm trying to get this out. I'm going to New York City this weekend, so it's just going to be real quick. But I do know, yeah, the annual, and I think I'm missing this month, so probably next month might be like three Nightwings. I have been, I skimmed Batman, like 130, 131. I skimmed Detective. I wasn't seeing anything with Barbara Gordon. I did read the story in Batman Urban Legends 22 and 23, which stars Nightwing. It's called The Director by Jamal Campbell. Has a very, I mean, it's interesting how... I wonder what it's like. And this was something that I should have asked Shag when he was on, when we were talking about the artist whose name I have now forgotten, who uses, who like takes from just models and changes it up, whether you would consider that plagiarism. Now, I'm not that that's too far, I think, to to, to talk about that with Jamal Campbell here. But it's clear, like looking at those two stories, very much looking at the art style of Bruno Redondo very much, I think, writing like, wow, Tom Taylor. Whew. 
But, you know, is that, I don't know, was he sort of handcuffed to that? Were they telling him like, this is successful, you should make it like that? Or was there freedom in that, that he wanted to have that connection? I don't know. But you, yeah, read that story. Barbara is in it. Barbara's in it both as Oracle and Batgirl and, and just as Barbara Gordon. Seer also pops up. So she's still around. Very interesting. Found it interesting overall. I think that Nightwing had a story that was in Batman Urban Legends when he has his own book. One would almost hope or think that if we're kind of moving on from Barbara Gordon being in Batgirls, that maybe you should give her some backups like old school in urban legends, but I don't know if that's going to happen. So here we're going to talk about Batgirls number 14, the main event here. As you can see this cover, we have primarily, well, purple, I guess that's significant there that the title is in purple. We have Cass on a rooftop. Maybe she's crying. Maybe she's stifling tears. Maybe Rain has gotten into her eyes. It's clearly a sad and dour situation. And she is holding on to Stephanie's cloak, as far as we know. Yeah, it kind of does like the yeah, the spoiler cloak there. So no Stephanie, but Stephanie's presence is there. So this is Backgirls 14. The rest is silence. Story, Becky Clooney and Michael W. Conrad. Art, colors, letters, Jonathan Case. We should basically say Jonathan Case is the author of this. I'll get to why. As a mental note. For me, as well as for you, remember that the Batgirls did not solve all the clues Riddler had left out for them before confronting him, which happens this clue that we will see in this issue is found in Batgirl 11 and that Batgirl's 11 and then in 12, Riddler is the one who actually mentions this particular clue to Stephanie during that altercation. And they were about to solve that clue, but then Babs calls them in and gives them Riddler's location and then the clue drops on the floor. So that's like a blink if you miss it. Like clear, it's one of those things where you see the detail and you it must mean something. But then, you know, we had 12... 13 and the annual. So I forgot about it. I wondered where this clue came from. So I'm just reminding you. With the exception of Stephanie's letter near the end of the issue, this is a silent issue. So Cass is at GCBD looking through the case files of Arthur Brown, aka Clue Master, and in particular, his death. Cass leaves the officer who has been helping the back rolls, the file. But now the word Lazarus has been written on his death photo, which clearly casted that. As the Lazarus pit is often associated with the League of Assassins, Cass keeps an eye out for some activity and actually finds two members. I'm not sure how, but she does. She takes one out and grabs his clothing before following the other to a building with a lab. She takes a couple vials of Lazarus liquid before somehow changing back into her back row garb, taking out the second ninja, and then climbing up through a hatch. Now, this hatch leads to the top of a bridge with many ninja coming after her on the structural cable. She holds her own, but also receives some unwanted help from her mother, Shiva, who also cuts off some limbs of the, the ninja there, or the assassins. Cass, still using the bike that she stole way back when, goes back to the loft and looks at a map as well as the clue left over from the Riddler. She also reads Steph's letter, which was left 
apparently in the case of her death, though I just thought it was sometime in the future, kind of like a time capsule thing, but we were wrong. Stephanie talks about her time with her dad on some upstate trips and that she wanted his approval, a fact which she hates about herself. She talks about Cass's impact on her life, their friendship, and also asks Cass to pass along some messages to other members of the Bat Fam. Cass dons a purple scarf and rides off to Nine Fence Lane, which she figured out from that clue in which she drew a line on the map connecting her loft to that particular place. At the cabin, she sees Steph through a window tied up with many electrodes attached to her body and maybe a bomb under her chair. I don't think it says next up. Da, da, da. I think it just ends on that, which makes sense since it was an all silent tale. Okay, well, as I said, this issue certainly contradicts my insider information. This does not feel like it is targeted towards younger female audiences. This does not have a DC superhero girls kind of feel to it. But uh, I'll get into that more because I just want to talk about the art. I, you know, I sometimes mention the art in passing. I say whether it's good or it's bad in my terms, right? It's very subjective. And, you know, Maybe if there are some weird artistic flares, the art is amazing here. It is a big lift for an artist to be able to tell the story all on his or her own with no words, really. Now, obviously, Conrad and Clunan have given the script, but the artist has to interpret all of that in there and has to make it clear enough that without words, without a narration box, without editorial notes, without dialogue, you know what's happening. This artist here, Case, Jonathan Case, is brilliant, I would say. It makes you follow along with the story. There were maybe a few times I had to double back just to figure out what exactly was going on, which, again, you know, that could be art mixed with storytelling, maybe one leaning to the other, who knows. But this is perhaps, you know, the nature of having no words, you know, just like I, I have conversations about foreign films and why I feel like it demands our attention more because of all the different layers you have to think about and observe with foreign films. But here you just have to pay more attention than normal. You can skim comics pretty quickly. It depends. I mean, if you are, if it's a Scott Snyder comic, you can't really skim very well. Tom Taylor, that, or not Tom Taylor, Tom King, you can't really skim as well. But some comics you can honestly skim very quickly with the words, with the picture, you understand what's going on. But here, you really need to give your undivided attention. And I think, I mean, I'm just looking at this one panel at the top with the swish, just how beautiful it is. Why wouldn't you want to give your undivided attention to this issue? The colors are just also brilliant. You know, I talk about, I, I love Robbie Rodriguez. Rodriguez. I love the colors that are used when he's on that run, kind of like that, that punk rock color style. This is like my type of art for for sure. I think it really fits the Batgirl's title. I love, love, love it. Jonathan Case, keep coming back. Frankly, <laughs> we weren't missing anything with without the narration boxes. Dialogue, you know, we can, we can take those. I don't want to be offensive to people, but like everything was great. It was great. There are little details that we see, um, even funny moments. Some of the the focus on the face, uh, in particular Cass's face, we see this a couple of times. I really like. 
I like some of these moments where you just see her and the cow and you kind of have to figure out like, what is this looking at that? Uh Oh, she's like, Oh, there are a bunch of ninja coming at me. I love this funny. It's probably not funny. It's like dark humor, kind of funny where her mother's up there cutting people's limbs off. She innocently is waving to her as this man's leg is falling to the ground. And then Cass is like upset. I mean, just brilliant and amazing and fun details. I love this so much. I think we may all have some favorite silent issues. I know that the Matt Fraction and David Aha team really did this powerfully and well in Hawkeye, but you can't just swing these around because you want something to be artsy fartsy, right? You can't be like, we're going to make an impact. Let's have a silent no words issue, right? So you want to ask yourself, what is the purpose of having an issue be silent? And I'll ask that now. So my thinking on this is most easily on the surface. This is a detective issue. You see Cass is no BS here. She just wants to find her BFF and she's going to put her head down and do what she has to do. Get as as quickly as possible from point A to point B with no in-betweens. And so talking is going to slow her down. She isn't, that's not, not really her MO anyways. Without speech, I think you also feel the loss of Stephanie in this issue. Steph is the person that Cass mostly speaks to. And Steph is, of course, the more garrulous of the two. Garrulous. It's a weird word, but I love it. But without Steph, Cass has less of an outlet. And it's apropos that the only words that we do get besides Lazarus written on that picture come from Steph in a letter. So you can see like, oh, yeah, she's the one. Also, if we think back a couple issues where Kat, when they were switched, they were in each other's bodies, Kat said, like, stop talking so much. I think this also gets back to a purity of Cass, where everything about her on the page is efficient and sleek. I think honestly, that she's, this sounds really sexist, but I think she's been talking too much and too well in modern books. And while silence is another extreme from that, I think this does feel more like the classic Cassandra Kane. I think that she should speak. I think she can speak, but it's just like, we went from Scott Peterson era, all of a sudden, like she can speak really fluently. And I think like she should still be struggling with, with some of the things that's going on. And that's a critique I have, of course, with some of the 2004 issues that we see her in as well. So I, I I think I only have two grievances. I will say that This clue that she has, I wish there would have been an editor's note, if only to remind us what that clue was, because my question was, where did she get that clue? It's clearly from the Riddler, where that come from. So I had to do the, you know, do the research for that. Yes, it probably would have distracted because it was silent, right? It was a silent issue. So to have an editor's note defeats that purpose, but it just would have been nice to have that. And then the letter is really quite interesting, especially in light of what Shayna had thought might be in it or, you know, just the, oh, what what is in this? I find it odd. I find this letter to be odd, mainly because I didn't think the purpose in writing these letters was to reveal something deep to each other after their death. Because if that's the case, there's no room for that relationship to grow because the other person is dead. So I thought the purpose was let's write this and then there'll be a time where we will we'll read 
each other's letters because it is hard for us. Not after someone has died. That that doesn't make sense at all. I was also struggling to find the big secret. And what was it that was so difficult for her to speak to Cass? I'm thinking that it is that she wanted her father's approval and she is ashamed of that, which is interesting. I mean, we shame is is huge, right? And it's huge. It's it's hard to overcome. But it's interesting to have that be the detail, knowing the person you are writing it to has probably something similar, right? I think that to a certain extent, Shiva may also want her father and mother's approval, want that love, but also knowing that, hey, those two people aren't aren't the best. And so and we've already discussed in this very book, this connection, as well as probably in other books, this connection between these two girls, these young women and their parentage, which is not the best. So I feel like that would have been easier. It seemed like the letter was a bit too forceful in pushing the location of the cabin because it was all about, oh, we have this cabin up, south, you know, near da, 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 because the clue also had that. So do we need that in the letter and this? Could you have not spent more time and maybe more careful thought on what that letter would have? I am reading this now. I've told you about my dad, how he tried to train me. Not like your stuff. He didn't want me to be a warrior. My dad wanted to sharpen my mind. I'm good at car compartmentalizing, put the hard stuff in boxes, then go on pretending that I dealt with it. Like how I laugh that he called himself Pooh Master. And she says, I I don't know why this is my secret thing. I wanted to share now. Guess I never kept much from you. So now I got to dig deep to find something. This stuff doesn't count anyway. Not anymore. Not since I met you. Yeah, it's very interesting. I mean, I think that proves my point of like, why is this the thing that that she's uh, she's talking about? But I guess it shows their their great relationship. The fact that she she is scraping bottom. But now you wonder, you know, what has what has Cass written to Steph? So Shana, maybe in Cass's letter, there's a love confession. But finally, for the third time, I like that she does say like, hey, you know, talk to these members of the Bat family and tell them particular things. But honestly, Babs is just getting a big hug and the rest of Cup Nudes. Is that really how much how much of an impact she has made on Steph's life? That's super sad. That is super, super sad. The Batman one was pretty funny that, you know, don't tell Bruce anything. He'll brood no matter what. And then, of course, Tim. Um, just that she's proud. So yeah, kind of crazy. Poor Babs. Apparently she wasn't as good of a leader as you would have thought. There are, you know, I, I do have some questions just like, oh, why, how did she find these two members of the League of Assassins? Did the person in front of her on the bike know that she was there all along? Because if so, like her guys doesn't really help her very much. She should have just stayed with the bat. But then he sees her. But then where does she go and where did he go? Because she felt so there are some things that I'm like, oh, I'm not really sure. Also, why does she need Lazarus serum? I'm a bit concerned about that. But maybe, oh, my gosh, what if Steph dies in this arc? And Cass uses the Lazarus serum to to poke a breath, which again, that is not kid friendly, but that would be insane to see Stephanie Brown, Lazarus insane, post Lazarus resurrection insane. I guess this guy also called all of his ninja. This was pretty awesome. Just this fight here and basically like silhouette. You've got this pink background or magenta, maybe background. And then this fight sequence. I mean, I cannot speak 
And then, of course, you turn to red, which seems to be Shiva's color anyways when she appears. Uh, I can't get over that leg that is just falling from the ground. And then she's doing, I love to see this detectiving and, you know, figuring out where she needs to go and what needs to happen. It is interesting that Barbara is not even a thought on Cass. Cass is going to do it all on her own, which is, it's very interesting. Barbara's absence, I think, is it... You feel it greatly. Maybe that's not true because I was so much engaged in the story that I was like, da, 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 da. but once you think about it, kind of stop and wonder, why didn't Cass call Babs and tell her, you know, oh, Stephanie has been kidnapped by her father. I, and then this, yes, very disturbing here. Poor Stephanie. I think there's a bomb under there. So we'll see what happens. And of course, you've got Cass and her reaction there. It's pretty, it's nearly perfect, I would say. Just a couple of those things. Mainly that letter, I would say. And just maybe some minor quibbles on what's going on there and why is that happening. But it's just beautiful. It's really well done. I'm going to give it a 9.5 out of 10. If I gave other points, it'd probably be like a 9.8. But like I said, pretty darn pitch perfect. Best one of the series. And is it the best issue I've read? All Well, sure. In 2023, it's the best issue I've read. (laughs) So there you go. There is no, I think, I think that's it there. So there is no anime watch list. So then I am just telling you what sorts of things I have read. Of course, I started a new challenge for 2023. I think the Testaments I mentioned by Margaret Atwood would kind of a, a companion is what Tom calls it because we both read this after talking about the Handmaid Tale. And then you, one could also say about a, a sequel, but it follows an aunt, a daughter of a commander, and um, someone that is in Canada. And they're all connected somehow. And then I read Backlash, The Undeclared War Against American Women by Susan Faludi. And this was in early 90s, it came out. And it was referenced in a podcast, uh, a YouTube video I watched from Princess Weeks about Don't Worry Darling. And so she mentioned this. and I thought, oh, that's pretty interesting, which was, yeah, I found it very interesting to see like as we take, which is I've talked about before, as you know, women take steps forward, there's always some sort of push that sets us back again. So it talks about that in different aspects um, in politics and fashion and media, things like that uh romantic a, a um <laughs> a romance novel i'm not gonna mention streetcar named desire by tennessee williams which will be an upcoming episode of required reading tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow by gabrielle zevin which i rated five out of five it's really good but it is quite heart-wrenching i would say a contented ending but it is yeah it's rough it's it's almost like a it felt like a Kristen Hanna novel you know my complicated history with her a relationship with her and I did feel melancholic while reading it so just be aware and then also read reread Hamlet by William Shakespeare and that I'm yeah I'm guesting on a podcast covering Hamlet over at Fire and Water Network. And then I'm nearly finished with Aliens Vasquez by V. Castro, which Tom lent me following Vasquez from Aliens. And then her, she has twins. And so you mostly, because she's only in a little bit of the novel, then you you follow her twins. And one of them goes in the Marines. The other one goes, works for Weiwen Yutani. So it's very interesting. But I think, I think that basically wraps it up. So 
Remember, you can send any questions or comments to BatgirlTheOracle at gmail.com. Like the show on Facebook or follow it on Twitter at BatgirlTheOracle. Subscribe to the show on YouTube for an uncut version. Obviously, there are lots of flubs in this one. And follow the Batman Universe on Facebook and Twitter as well. Support the Batman Universe by subscribing to Patreon. If you're interested in seeing gaming and listening to me argue with somebody else and also talk philosophy and all sorts of different things you can there's also a youtube channel called ludi at pugnai yeah ludi l-u-d-i at e-t pugnai p-u-g-n-a-e which means games and fights on youtube and mostly wednesdays i think harry and i will play some sort of game and and chat and he does like he's yelled at me on that stream he's gotten angry at me so there really are some fights and yes okay once again thanks to mile high comics for sponsoring back roll the oracle the barbara gordon podcast thank you for sticking with me for 13 years where we keep gone going and until next time fly on babs lovers just plain barbara gordon masquerading for a lark as she rides into the night on her special batgirl cycle who knows is the dynamic duo destined to become the triumphant trio only time will tell us more about this dazzling dare doll I love a happy ending, don't you?